this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. You know we've been fighting for one and still fighting to this day. To this day. Surprise, motherfuckers. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Listen, I ain't going to forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Some might be. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. Alex is good enough to join us this week. We had an upstairs pod with just me and TK last week. We won't uh, berate Jack as it was arguably Alex's not doing it that then put other things into motion. So we just had to do a two-man one. So not only did Alex not turn up, he also cut Jack out. <laughs> I've just said before, Jack will now be a permanent member. So if you uh, have liked him on the podcast, good. If you've not liked him, then uh, (laughs) unsubscribe now. You have to live to it. All right. So this week, we're going to do a Champions League special. So as there's quite a lot to get into, we won't have a particularly long intro. If you've spotted anything else pop up on your spitballing pod feed this week, then me and Sean have brought back the Out of Order podcast. We'll bring it on the same feed. Essentially a top 10 list of any topic in the world the two of you together have to come up with it so if you have any suggestions tweet them at spitballing pod or use the contact section on www.spitballingpod.com and it'll save me from just getting these spam emails about improving our uh, web space and all sorts which i seem to get about six times a week anyway don't have much news to get into because i know we do have a lot but something i did see i'm not sure why it was one of the top stories on uh, the news but Taylor Swift turning 30. And uh, so the thing that I thought was strange about this is I feel like she's one of those people who would never hit that age. Like, do you remember Walcott was like a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Walcott was like a kid for ages. And then you look and now he's like over 30. And I said, oh, this is a bit weird. Lingard would be the same, wouldn't he? Because he's only, what, three or four years off that? That would spin me when that happens. Everyone goes on about how he's such a young talent. It's like, oh my God. He keeps wearing them stupid uh, fake glasses. Cultural appropriation, wearing these (laughs) fake glasses that no one is telling him about. I saw someone say during that Legends game, I want the upstands to go over there and snap those glasses (laughs) off him. I'll tell you what, for one, I don't know why people are watching that game over there an actual competitive playoff final, which was the first alarming thing. The second thing was how many tweets there were. Like, I swear half this lot were getting the United team today, not realising they're playing against fellow 50-year-old blokes. <laughs> I saw someone say about Beckham, and everyone was like, well, he just sprayed a couple of passes and did crossings. Like, he's always going to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like you said, <laughs> look who he's playing against. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when you get like a fifty-year-old boxer in there, and they can. They like oh, the last thing to go is the power. There was a there was a video of like Beckham does a crossfield pass, and then Skulls pings it back across the other way. Now they both still got a ping on him. <laughs> Thing is, though, he's had to alter it because the runs that he would usually be made for those pings are now like five yards slower than they would have been. So he has adapted his game well to imagine how good he would be at walking football. He just like he just annihilate the place. I think that would be a nightmare to officiate that with. Someone's got like a fast walk in them or something. A big stride. Yeah, exactly. 
people forget as well like that's just one game if you want to get them back in the squad that's a season they've got to play it's like they can maybe do have a really good one game but then the next weekend they ain't getting that they ain't putting that performance in again they're all on the sofa for the week now aren't they they're done I think going back to our childhood though is that David Beckham was probably the one that I remember the most who stands out is the number seven those predator boots and to see him again spraying the ball around and just dictate and play it was good to see. Well, this could be this it. could be our only uh, this could be our only intro question. And so I saw this on Twitter this week, and they said you've got a corner, and you have to sc- you have to score it to mm. save your life. <laughs> well, if you have so say that's not good odds. Essentially, mean, so essentially great. you say if 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 you put a good enough delivery in this alien in the middle is going to put a good enough header on it to finish it or volley whatever. Drop it probably. Who do you have taken the corner? Um, probably, probably has to be Beckham. I don't think I've ever seen anyone deliver a ball as good as David Beckham. What about Seb Larson? <laughs> People forget the free kick yeah. ability of that man. It was people set yeah. piece ability. That man. Well, I saw him my first ever trip to Highbury. Um, he was on the bench, so I look back and this was when you uh, would have a little camera. You'd send it off, and it would come back and get printed out, but. Mm-hmm going down right low at the bottom when they warm up and had no clue who this bloke was at the time. But looking back, it was Seb Larson. I've just got this massive close-up picture of <laughs> at Highbury. Other than maybe Trippier during the World Cup, <laughs> putting a set piece in, I don't know what he was on there because he hasn't been able to do it since. No. But I, I do have some slight issue with the Beckham thing in that when we were creating the perfect footballer, I made quite the case that he has to be on crossing all corners, yet you two insisted, no, 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 well, he has to be our face. Yeah. We'll forget his obvious ability because we need to have a face, despite there being numerous handsome shit footballers and nobody being able to cross the ball like David Beckham, which I made the point at the time, but you two were having absolutely none of it. It was respect for the achievement of that face, though. <laughs> none got- of those other football, pretty footballers have achieved anything. Yeah, what's got him further in his career? Would he be where he is without Victoria Beckham and does he get Victoria Beckham without that face? We've got a superstar. I don't appreciate the comment. And <laughs> we're building a footballer so we wanted this crossing ability for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'd argue there were others who have a closer crossing ability than others who have a closely good enough face. He wasn't even the best shagger in the United team. Look at Giggsy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright then, so... Champions League. This episode will be going right from our earliest memories of the Champions League. Alex, you might just sit this bit out. Um, and then we'll go uh, straight through to uh, the road to the final this time. And if we have time, we'll even do a bit of a Europa League just to keep me and Jack happy with a prediction for the final. It, if, if we, it may literally just be a prediction for the final because I'm not sure either of us want to get into it particularly, especially with uh, the injuries I've seen uh, yeah. pop up uh, Kante now out, supposedly. Yeah, Kante out, Loftus-Cheek out, <laughs> Hudson-Odoi out. I, I mean, I wasn't confident to start with because this Chelsea team, you never know which one's going to turn up. But now I know exactly which one is turning up. <laughs> and it's one with bloody Barkley in it. Well, the thing so, is, you look at uh, us previously in the teams that we haven't performed well against, they're actually the lower level teams. So yeah. it might actually work in Chelsea's favour. Hey, the, the annoying thing is, is your record against us. Since Conte came in, we used to batter you and like just 
<laughs> chuck you about for about seven years, and then all of a sudden Conte came in and you've just gotten our heads. <laughs> and it's been a lot closer recently, in recent years. All right, we'll get on to it. So if we want to start off, anyone want to kick us off then with their earliest Champions League memory? Um, me, it was probably a... It was probably a painful one as well. I mean, the really earliest one, without kind of delving back, the one that crops up to mind is when um, Chelsea beat Barca 3-1 at Stamford Bridge. I think it was like 2000, 2001. Um, And I I just remember thinking, oh my God, we're actually good. Because I've gone through the years of growing up of being told Chelsea were rubbish, they were crap, and all this. I was like, hang on a minute, we're actually beating Barca anyway. And then we go... Play the new camp and get beat five one, <laughs> so kind of kind of settles the score on that one, and I knew what to expect then from the years coming onwards. Carrying on from uh, the five one, I can remember uh, Arsenal into the San Siro, Arsenal winning five one, one all at half time, and then a class solo goal from Henri in the second half and f- four goals to round it out. The thing I did see yesterday when I was looking back to uh, do a research for this, if you actually put the two teams on paper. That's the kind of scoreline you'd suggest for that yeah, Arsenal yeah, team yeah, against yeah. that Inter team. <laughs> it just like sounds a lot better with yeah. back when you see Inter now. So that was oh yeah, Inter in their prime. <laughs> so you look at the two and you're like, oh wow, Arsenal. That was a great result. And then alongside that, I think first kind of vivid memory of the Champions League is going to Highbury with my uncle. He took me to watch Arsenal against uh, Sparta Prague. And I know that Omri was close to beating Ian Wright's goal record and thinking please just don't score don't score don't (laughs) score and then the week before in the uh, away group tie at Sparta Prague he had to come on after 15 minutes because someone was injured and he scored two like immediately (laughs) to to equal and then break the record which was annoying but there was an injury in the warm-up and I can remember uh, seeing I can now say I saw Omri and Burkamp start together in the Champions League, yeah. uh, Reyes on the wing. You had uh, Perez, Gilberto Silva, Almunia between the sticks because Lehman was injured. Um, Omri scored a peach after about 20 minutes and then came off just to rest him because this was um, the invincible season. So, actually, Arsenal lost their first, I think, maybe two group stage games that year. So, it wasn't invincible then. <laughs> and uh, Wenger complained saying that... Uh, the way the places we were being sent for the Champions League as if every team wasn't being sent everywhere was going to hamper us in the league and uh, stop us doing so well. Um, but I could remember that the Champions League music, that's when I kind of first realised what the Champions League music meant. Yeah, I think my first sort of fully formed memory was the Zidane goal in the final. Was it 2002? Is that against Leverkusen? Yeah, yeah, I did. I remember watching it. I don't think I kind of fully appreciated how... Well, I knew it was a great goal, but I didn't realise how we'd end up sort of looking back on it. As it is kind of the iconic Champions League goal still now, isn't it? It's the way it goes up, falls, and he's hit it in his technique that only on his few, weaker foot. Yeah, on the weak foot that only few can actually master, let alone score like that. It's just yeah. in one of those all-time incredible goals. When I think of Champions League goals, I think of that one. That is the yeah. the one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Other than that, I've got kind of got you know like sort of semi memories where you kind of remember something. So I remember being told about Man United winning it in 99 at school and people talking but I don't really sort of remember I just remember the conversation happening and I remember the final the year before Zidane scored that goal it was 
Bayern against Valencia, I think. Mm. I remember being and told the the unhealthy thing at a young age, I should support Valencia because Bayern are German. Yeah. Which is a, yeah. a brilliant thing to tell a what a six or seven year old. It's it's hilarious how that German English rivalry has been ingrained into children from such a young age. Because yeah. obviously my girlfriend's half yeah, German. Jack's on the other side. Exactly. So my girlfriend's half German. Before I met her, I hated Germans. I was like, oh my god, we beat you two all as one World Cup, all of that kind of stuff. And then you actually go and meet them and you think these are some of the loveliest people in the world. Yeah, yeah. They're like the friendliest people. You're what the hell is going on? a song of 10 German bombers, didn't you? Oh yeah, I've kind of uh, got drawn into that in the Abbey in front of Sarah and then Sarah then joined in. So, <laughs> it's be, right, it's Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, in, it's, it's one of those when you get, it's like that mob mentality with football. It's like if someone else is doing it, fuck it, it's all right. We're all doing it. We're all doing it. I think it. that applies to most football chants because like, you look and I wouldn't really scream out he spits when he talks about Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if 60,000 others are doing it, yeah. then sure. Then yeah, exactly. I'm doing it. All of us. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I would say, I saw this uh, stat yesterday and I'll tell you, I was going to start this podcast off and I was going to get some Champions League uh, trivia and do a kind of quiz. But with all respect, we wouldn't have got like hardly any of them. Some of them are just like mental. Yeah. I mean, the first French team to be in a Champions League final was uh, like Stade Rems was, was one it? of them. Yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of strange ones. But I was thinking <laughs> with Bayern Munich, I would always assume that their fan base wouldn't really extend much out of Germany because if you're like abroad, then plenty of fans can jump onto the Premier League because you can at least have some kind of competitive rivalry. But being a Bayern Munich fan, you can't really have much of that. But <clears throat> do you know the Bayern Munich Dortmund final was actually um, the highest rated and most watched Champions League final of all time. Wow! Of all really? of, of all of the finals, yeah. Jesus. But I suppose because that year was so intense, wasn't it? It was <clears throat> Jurgen Klopp. It, 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 had he won the league or he'd won the league the year before? I can't remember exactly what. He won it that year. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's why it made it even more special. That's why the rivalry was so pitched. Because it, don't forget as well, the teams were so well matched. Like they still had Lewandowski, didn't they? Or well, you, you knew gone. going into the final, I'm pretty sure, that he was going to yeah. buy and fresh off that. And, yeah. and did they not already have they Goetze? Were, they already had Goetze. Yeah. Goetze didn't play in the final. And I remember the coverage focusing a lot on his reactions of who he was cheering for. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. It's almost like they had Goetze cam. we call that now. They genuinely had like a Goetze cam and like... If you add them all together, it must be like five minutes of continuous footage of Goetz's face. Yeah. All right, Alex. So your earliest memory of the Champions League? So early in the early in the early two thousands, um, I had a weird fascination. Well, I say weird. I had a fascination with a lot of the Italian teams. Oh, like you. I absolutely, I absolutely loved. Um, like I absolutely loved watching AC Milan. I just like I fell in love with their like it's simple. I fell in love with their kit. I like, absolutely their kit was amazing. Um, and then my brother was on the other side of it. He was more of a blue boy, so he went into. So there was that bit of that brotherhood rivalry. But standout for me was probably 2002, 2003 uh, with Juve AC in the final. Um, it was not nil nil. It was. It was penalty shootout <laughs> in the end. But I remember, I like, I at that time, uh, Pavel Nedved was starting to starting to really really show like what he was all about at Juventus and I, I've always really liked him he's like one of my favorite there's, football players of all time there's the point isn't there I'd say probably after about the 110th minute where everyone switches and instead just prays for no goal so you can get to the penalty shootout yeah 
particularly as a standard of play and extra time is normally absolutely <laughs> woeful. It's like, look, let's just wrap this up and go straight to pens. Yeah. Yeah, thank Christ that uh, Chelsea United FA Cup final. <laughs> Drogba put us out of our misery. That was euthanasia on the pitch. <laughs> Mate, worst game of football I think that I've ever seen. Actually, until the United Liverpool game that everyone got so excited about. Uh, maybe last season yeah. that like the world sent it in they were yeah. like this can't not be a good game I know TK can run here I think we have Brad run here as well yeah. and then it was abysmal Jersey yeah. said, yeah. This. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's just so good at doing that though isn't he Jersey it's like yeah. creating this pitch hype to the point where it scares the other team into out of playing football and then he just comes and pulls that shit out result. I'm sure uh, throughout this Champions League special, Jose is going to have quite the the yeah. few mentions. So, a recurring character. if we get on to uh, some happy moments, then before we do descend down into a dark path of yeah. uh, the heartbreak that we've all had in the Champions League. So, favorite Champions League moments specifically for our team first. So, for me, the one that stands out. What? Two, maybe one over the other. Uh, Thierry Henry's goal against uh, Madrid in the build-up uh, to the 06 final. Just one of those goals that, not even just a phrase, quite literally like goosebumps each time you see it. I don't watch it too often. I don't really want to go back and think of the glory days there with Arsenal. But Glory days. Why not have you? Yeah. <laughs> glory days of having yeah. a decent Arsenal team. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Henry, when you look at the lineup that he's gone through there, I mean, just in the starting lineup, Roberto Carlos, Zidane, Beckham, Casillas, Robinho, Ramos, Fat Ronaldo, and Guti. And then forget Omri's how good Guti was. Yeah, Omri's nicked the ball, I'm pretty sure it was off Beckham on halfway, dribbled through and then tucked it past Casillas, who, I mean, most of us, I think we have to, if we had to do the best keepers we've seen, he would probably be yeah. at least on a top five My list. My idol. Yeah, growing up. And the most incredible thing there, this isn't quite the moment, but Arsenal keeping a clean sheet over two legs with a defence of Flamini, Torre, Ibue and Senderos. <laughs> Philippe Senderos, the boldest man Flam- to play for Flamini at left back is mental enough. He's slid in the whole season. Yeah. 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 And then we got to the final and he got dropped for Ashley Cole. I did respect Wenger for that because if there was one bloke who was not going to do that then it would probably be him and he's you know, sentimental yeah. you got to uh, but Aside from that, in more recent times, and this kind of goes with Jack's where you have the moment and then you come back to reality a week later. And that was the Arshavin goal against Barca in the first leg at the Emirates. And this was before I really started going to games. I think that's the most like rocking I've seen the Emirates that last 10 minutes. Mm. Getting played off the park for the first half, I think they could have had about three or four. I think this may have been around the time where people were questioning whether Messi could do it against uh, English opponents. David Villa's scored after 25 minutes and you think, Christ, what on earth is going to happen here? Somehow kept the score down. Then 79 minutes, Van Persie scores from the ridiculous angle. I do think he was shooting. Some would say he was crossing it. And then four minutes later, Nasri passing it back and then Arshavin putting it in the corner and this really does show a good bit of Martin Tyler commentary can take a goal from like a 10 yeah. to like off off the charts yeah. <laughs> like he he's perfected I don't know if he has like two seconds in front that scream that he's able to do and the raise <laughs> yeah. of the voice very rarely does he do that and it, the ball not then go into the net if we know he's a United fan he should start doing it every time they shoot and just see how often he can get it to fly in on a big game to get them back. There's that thing, wasn't there, for the um, 
the first Spurs game in a new stadium, the commentator was getting proper excited any time they shot because he knew that bit of commentary would be the first guy in the stadium. Yeah, so yeah. any shot goes to the goal, like, whoa, <laughs> this is my moment. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't happen. <laughs> but going back to Martin Tyler, you're right, because I've got, I've got it stuck in my mind, obviously the Chelsea final in 2012, of when he just screams out, because just beforehand, he's, and Bayern have that late goal. And he just, <laughs> I just got it ingrained into my mind. Because I know that he'd set himself up for it previously. I'm just there like, I could just see if that had gone differently, that's all I would hear when I go to sleep every night. I was actually working for this final um, at, at the co-op at the time. And it was either Spurs lose and uh, you have to put it with Chelsea winning or you put it with Chelsea winning and Spurs don't get top four. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's seen the interview that uh, Lampard did with Jamie Redknapp this week before the playoffs no I haven't seen it no yeah, but he's co- he's comparing uh, what it's like being a manager and having a big result or winning the Champions League kind of thing that kind of level and Lampard says look I don't it sounds ridiculous to compare a playoff semi-final to the Champions League final but the feeling was pretty much like on a level and Jamie says you know you know what I was in Munich that night I was in the crowds and I remember looking at your face and he was like and I very quickly remember uh turning and seeing my dad's face while I was next to you because you'd just cost him a Champions League place. (laughs) He said it was a very, very strange situation to be in. He says, I'm not sure my dad was too happy for you. (laughs) The the standout commentary though in that that, uh, Champions League that year was Gary Neville in the Barcelona match before. It was just that noise. I don't know. I'm not even sure. He, like, I didn't realise a human being was capable of making that noise. <laughs> so I'm assuming your favourite moment is winning the championship. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to be difficult because in that run, I probably have to say my favourite moment is that entire run from going 3-1 down at Napoli to then beating them 4-1 at home, which at the time was the biggest comeback in Champions League knockout history. Obviously, we've seen a few more since then. However, everyone writ- written us off got AVB being sacked and then you kind of put in all the old guards so like John Terry Lampard Drogba the, the Ramirez chip yeah yeah huh the Ramirez chip the Ramirez trip that's got to be up there as well you've got to think of how many separate moments there are in that entire run like 2-0 down John Terry sent off you think the floodgates are just opened pretty much and you're just there like do I really have to put myself through this and watch all of this I'm pretty sure I saw you in town after the final as well. Yeah. Near certain. Yeah. No, so I... Well, mutually <laughs> celebrating Spurs not being in there. It's one of them yeah. where I could like hijack the, yeah. uh, the, the emotion and jump onto it a bit <laughs> just to have a bit of the feeling. Proper bandwagons. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I remember watching the final with my dad and going absolutely mental. And it was just a roller coaster because again, we had what? Two centre-backs that hadn't played a game of football in a month. We had Ryan Bertrand's coming in for his first ever Champions League start making his full Chelsea debut in a final he had Solomon Clue on the right um, he had John Obi Mikel anchoring down the midfield and then he had like John Terry suspended Ivanovic suspended Ramarella suspended remember the semi the um, Jeff Shreve's talking to Ivanovic just so you know yeah. you are going to miss the final yeah and he, t- and he tells him on camera just like oh, just let him have this moment he repeats it as well he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't just stop him and goes oh I probably shouldn't have done this no 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 you will not be playing is that that video they did the rounds of the Simpsons clip with Bart Simpson he says if you pick you look you can pinpoint the moment his heart breaks and then <laughs> imagine the Chelsea fans just celebrating winning the Champions League Chelsea Chelsea Chelsea, <laughs> all the Chelsea fans do. I mean, Arsenal fans are slated. I'm not sure Chelsea fans are much better. 
Um, Alex, um, your favourite Champions League moment for your team? So I, I think it's pretty obvious, but I won't talk about it. I'll talk about another uh, another one because we've already gone over it recently. But the most recent memory would probably be Ajax. Um, definitely the highest we'll moment. We'll get on to that on the route to the um, final. And, uh, and also even Man City before. They're watching their, the video clips of the fans, realising that that goal didn't count was also extremely satisfying. But probably stand out for me um, was not, Bale against Inter Milan, but which you lost, but which we lost. <laughs> I thought he might say, it. <laughs> but um, I, I think that I think for me, watching the, those that Champions League and really up until now, I've always seen us as an underdog in every single one of those Champions League matches. I've never gone into like let's say against those big teams expecting to win. It's sort of like right, we're the underdogs here. We can win, but it's unlikely that we will. Um, but so coming back like we did against Inter Milan sort of instilled a bit of belief that all right maybe we can throw some punches in this Champions League but AC Milan that year uh winning away at the San Siro um that goal towards the end with Crouchy and Lennon that was that was superb that was that that was probably the highlight of the the foot that football season for me um and then just the hype that surrounded the, the following game which was actually quite a little bit of a disappointing match the following game at White Hart Lane <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was brilliant, and it was good because Harry Redknapp was like. Didn't you straight. watch that one with Sean? No, I didn't watch. I've never watched Tottenham win a I match. I swear with you Sean. watched the the nil nil with him. Yeah, I watched the nil nil with him, but not yeah, not the. So San you watched Siren. the nil nil to go through, and no, Jack's it. Alex trying. Alex is trying to pull out of watching the Champions Look, League. We on have Saturday. spoken before. You're going against your own words here because you never change a winning formula. You said that during the England game and the England the England in the World Cup. And you're getting me to now change a formula. Bringing Sean out of nowhere has absolutely screwed me he over. He didn't bring Sean as such. Yeah. Technically, he did invite him. He's on a mission to sabotage Spurs. <laughs> Sean posted a picture of a train ticket in the group. It's like, oh, okay, looks, looks like you're coming around. I've tried to, I've literally, I've tried to send him, I've tried buying tickets to send him out so, to Spain, but he's, oh, it's just not happening. So are you confirming now that you will not be watching the Champions League? I'm undecided. I need to I need to try and, I need to look into this deeper and understand what the, the true winning formula you switch, is. You switched to watching it on a tablet, didn't you, for the end of... So, the, yeah, during the AX, during so the AX game, I watched... So, are you going to watch the final on a tablet? Absolutely not. No, it's on the TV. Probably you're changing the formula. You were losing when you were watching it on the TV. Yeah. Don't don't bring this into the occasion, because I don't... <laughs> I could argue that... I could argue that with Man City, I watched it all the way through on the on the big screen. So, so, you would say there's no winning formula then? No, the winning formula, <laughs> the, the one consistency is I've never watched Spurs win when short, with Sean. I've never seen Spurs win. I've watched us lose to Newcastle on the opening day the season I've lost I've watched us lose to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley <laughs> it's like that that's that hurts when you've got two little brothers who were Chelsea fans messaging you I'm jealous that you got to that's, see that goal live that's another one I actually jumped on to celebrate like a Chelsea fan with Jack because I remember Arsenal were going to be in the final and saying I would rather not be in the final than play Spurs in it in a certain, in a certain person blocking me because I'm an absolutely <laughs> mental <laughs> that that Gif of Zuma holding his head after <laughs> Matic's goal. Oh, it's just, and then we go in losing the finals. All right, so let's see what TK's uh, favourite Champions League moment is for his team. Yeah, pretty obvious, and that you know it's going to be um, Istanbul. Pretty crazy for fairly young kids who've gone through one of those ones where like, Look, don't worry about going to bed tonight. You can stay up for that. Um, but Jack kind of touched on it with his one. It's, with all of these, it's kind of. As much as the final, the run to get there is almost always kind of like a crazy story. Even like, obviously, I've seen us lose a couple of Champions League finals as well. And even 
the run in there. So in 2007, when you had the beating Barca at the new Camp with Bellamy and Risa scoring, having <laughs> got it, <laughs> Bellamy having gone in with a golf club in the week. <laughs> has a goal at the new Camp. Celebrating by doing a golf club swing, yeah. <laughs> having assorted your teammate is some audacity. And then, but even like last year's run was crazy. There was just the game at City, but we were still kind of that team that couldn't really defend properly but could attack. So there was just so much back and forth. And and the run this year, obviously the the situation with Barca and stuff. So as much as you know, my obvious answer is going to be Istanbul. That you always remember sort of the runs of the final, even if you don't end up being successful. I mean, I can I can't speak from a place of winning it, but I would imagine that winning a Champions League can mean more depending on who you've beaten on that run to get there. The closest I can get to is talking about an FA Cup, but I can say that it means a lot more beating Chelsea in the final than it does beating Aston yeah. Villa. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that run, the 06 when Arsenal had, then you had Juventus, Real Madrid, and then mm. Villarreal with Raquel May, mm. uh, Lehman saving the penalty in a, the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Liverpool this year, couldn't they? Last year, didn't they defeat three of the uh, title-winning sides to get there. No, two bar Roma. Maybe, no, it's this year, isn't it? You've beaten three yeah. champions en route yeah. to get in there and that's going to mean a lot more then. No, I agree as well. Just to go back to obviously my point, um, again, it's playing Bayern Munich in their home stadium in a Champions League final after beating arguably the best club side to ever have played football, the kind of 2012 Barca team in the semi-final. So it's, again, it meant... It was almost like it couldn't mean any more than it could have because we didn't even know how we'd got to that point anyway. Like, I don't. Here's a point as well, though. Barcelona, bottlers. They're more Spursy than Spurs at the moment because you think two nil up against Chelsea with ten men, they should be seeing that through. Yeah. Three three nil up from the first leg against Liverpool, they should be seeing that through. The Roma won last year. Yeah, the Roma won last year. They should. So they're, they're, it's, it's the type of players that they're like, when something goes wrong, they're like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore because we're so good. I don't need to prove anything. So it's like they bottle it out of being too good or well, too complacent. We said, it with, um, we said it with City. So like when they do have some adversity, they do tend to panic. But it's just they have so little of it that yeah. you never get to see it. I guess that's probably similar with Barcelona. Lost to Valencia yeah. it just recently again. They're, they're, now their season's gone from looking amazing to meh. Well, they're, they're getting the same treatment over in Spain as United got over here, where they said they're literally just stuck on whatever the... Was it May 7th or something? I think Liverpool beat them. They said they're just stuck there. Same as everyone said about United, they're stuck well, yeah. when they beat PSG. Yeah. They haven't ever changed from yeah. that. That's, they seem to have both just stopped at that in their season. All right, then. Let's move on to favourite Champions League moment, not including your team. Now, for a couple of these, I won't get into too much because I think Jack will get into them on his worst moments <laughs> so oh, I see where this is going Terry Slip and uh, Iniesta would probably be right at the top of the list leave me alone um, so favourite for me when I was looking back through kind of the history of the Champions League yesterday and it was um, Kaká's individual performance across two legs against United in 2006-2007 to get to the final um, he scored early to equalise in the first leg at Old Trafford and then his second goal if you remember it he flicks it past Fletcher and then he nods it between Evra and Vidic, I think. Uh, Evra and Ainsley, you clash into each other. Yeah. He's made them look that foolish and then tucks yeah. it in the corner. And then the second leg, he scores early and drills it right into the bottom corner to set the tone and then they smash him 3-0 to go through. That was actually one of mine as well. So that is just one of those you always think about. 
And it's always funny when you see an op- opposing player take out one of their teammates in the wake of something brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It always just heightens it by at least tenfold. And that is a perfect example of that happening. I, I've got uh, just a small one. Um, so Real Madrid uh, winning La Decima for the finally. But it was not not as much that not as much it was Shabby Alonso running down hopping over the thing in 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 that suit looking as fly as you can and and then running down getting getting a fine for it as well that that was a highlight for that because you know I've always had a soft spot for that man. Just a wee side note on that is that fines for footballers do they actually care? These fines are like eight grand, and like the worst fine that I've ever seen is seventy seven grand, and that's like. Half a week's wages. Like, honestly, what is well, the point? Danny Rose saying, I'll spend that on a night out. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing I remember about that final as well is it was, um, wasn't it? Uh, I'm sure it's different to Ortiz, Costa, Costa, Costa was injured going into it and they desperately tried to get him to start. And they did like that weird sort of magical, ma- yeah, magical with like it. a voodoo or something they, like that. No, it was and a, he lasted five minutes. Yeah, he was <laughs> they used um, horse percenter on his, that's it, that's on the his hamstring and yeah. it didn't work. So, of all the things <laughs> you feel foolish. Yeah, actually, Alex has brought up what I've got on one of my worst moments as one of his best moments. So maybe reflects on what? our different mentality. What, the, I which, fucking hate Real Madrid, so... Watching them win 10 Jam Z wasn't fun. Just uh, a couple of other ones. One that kind of uh, slips under the radar, and this was when Tiki Taka was pronounced dead. If you can remember Bayern beating Barca 7-0 on aggregate, mm. and that was literally the headline everywhere, was just Tiki Taka is dead. Yeah. <laughs> the fact they withdrew Messi late on, like just, we don't want That's you awful. to be like a part of this. Yeah. Um, other one, Iniesta vs Chelsea, which we'll get to. And one of my favourite Champions League goals ever, the Robin volley from the corner against United in the, in Wait, the like, Champions League. Like side foot places volley oh, weird. The thing, yeah. Yeah. No, that's we'll separate. That's... Yeah, oh, I know. All right, sorry. <laughs> We're just pissing on my parade <laughs> Apologies. Well, I'll let TK break it down. Uh, not, uh, not as much. It, it was actually, this is probably a good shout as well. Uh, and it's probably, it was after the match had finished, but... Uh, when uh, Jose was at Inter, into Barca, and it was like after the match when he was celebrating, he had the Barca pairs going over to him, and then it's him being cut, uh, uh, interviewed after the match, saying we left blood on the field tonight. I was just like, yes, that was, that was quality. That was impressive. I'll give him that. I mean, and to go on, we've kind of done the fall of Barca there, but the rise of them was something to behold. It was oh eight oh nine. They were picking teams apart, and it was a style of play you wanted to watch. It wasn't pass, pass, pass for the sake of it. It was unbelievable passing and they were ruthless in front of goal and you kind of saw Messi kind of rise to the top I think there. He, that was the run where he picked Arsenal yeah, apart wasn't it yeah, yeah, where he done that, that little dink over Amuni I think is the one six in my mind but yeah and then when they picked United apart in the final one very pleasant to watch yeah. two and that Messi sort of header is one that sort of sticks in your mind as well he, he didn't just dink it either he dinked it and then tapped it in on the other side of the keeper <laughs> which is what you could do on uh the like earlier FIFA games you used to be able to chip it over the keeper and then mm. run on the other side yeah. and uh, mm. tap it in. So that was one of the ones that he did. But yeah, that you said with Barca, that was when my brother was like fully he's back into it now as a United fan. Oh, and yeah. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember um watching this is kind of the thing that we can all probably say about the Champions League. I don't know who did or who didn't, but 
I didn't have uh, like Sky Sports when we were growing up. So Champions League was one of them. We said it so many times yeah, the day before. ITV, yeah. You would sit down and watch Champions League on ITV. And I'd like them to get it back just for that reason. Because I yeah. dread to think how many kids don't get to watch like the Champions League because of that. No, I agree. That strike force as well that Barca had in that final against United, they had, uh, what was it? Omri, David Villa, Messi, yeah. Etu, who I think came on. No, he was gone by then. Uh, well, either way, uh, it was, insane. It was. It wasn't David David Villa, was it not? I'm sure. No, David Villa. David Villa. That what year was that? Oh, Was it oh eight oh nine? nine? Yeah. So I think we should. I could. What was what, what was the um what was the uh Africa World Cup year? I've completely forgotten. 2010. 2010. Yeah. Well, David Villa went to Barcelona after that tournament, yeah. so it's not David Villa. All right. So, anyone have any? Other particularly special Champions League moments they want to get into. Messi against Boateng was pretty special as a, of a yeah. moment. But or should we get on to worst? Which I'm sure I think the worst ones stick <laughs> in my mind a lot easier than the good ones because <laughs> literally I'm trying to think right, think of some good moments. But then all I see is Iniesta's bold head <laughs> floating in front of my eyes with 2009. He tweeted that with a little winks out on the anniversary of it the other day. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a worst moment. It was the uh, the worst moment. It was that poor show of sportsmanship from Ricardo Carvalho holding back the Barcelona keeper when they uh, knocked poor Ronaldinho's Barcelona side out of the Champions League. Yeah. Cheating. Just, just uh, I knew there was something I wanted to get onto. So just if we go back about two minutes when you said about Jose on the pitch and the interview we did after. So the story behind that is supposedly, and I don't know if this is one of those... Uh, kind of urban myths is I don't think it was particularly well disguised that his dream was to kind of go on and be the Barca manager he was irked when Pep got the job and supposedly after they won in that kind of way against Barca one of the directors apparently they kind of crossed paths on their way back through the tunnel and in whatever language said you will never be manager of this club and that's why he then went into the interview and he was like, right, I've got no need to be any kind of respectful about you now and just did typical Jose. It was, um, they both submitted uh, like their, let's say their resumes for that Barcelona job um, the year before and uh, a few years before. And uh, it was basically, they rejected Jose Mourinho based on his style of football wasn't what Barcelona wanted, which is very true. Shithousery is beautiful to watch when it's not you involved and when it's happening to the team that should win when it's like City taking it in the corner there are a few things (laughs) more irritating but when a team does it to City or in this case Barca there's few things more entertaining to watch than someone just keeping it in the corner or a cynical tackle when they get up and the bloke kind of just runs off with his arms in the air okay (laughs) okay Jack if you want to kick us off with your worst uh, Champions League moment so We'll have a bit of a round table here, a bit of therapy. I think, personally, the Barca 2009 is the worst, and it sticks out more so than the loss to Man United in the final, because of just the sheer injustice. So we talk about shithousery, but this was just sheer, sheer injustice. I've never seen a match unfold like that ever before. And don't forget as well that one of the best ever, ever, we talk about... Um, Zidane's goal against Leverkusen one of the best ever goals scored in the Champions League was Marc Alessian in that game it was the same style as Zidane weaker left foot over the shoulder 
kind of roundhouse kick <laughs> in off the bar. And it's one of those beautiful goals that goes in off the bar, hits the floor, and then comes back and hits the top of the net again. It's just a Tony Uboa special, you know the one I mean? <laughs> so it doesn't get spoken about because of the absolute casserole of nonsense that <laughs> unfolds in that game. So I remember sitting there watching and thinking, wait, we're going to do this. And don't forget that year, we were better than the year before, arguably. We'd got rid of um, Felipe Scolari early in the season. We had Gus Hiddink back when he knew how to win games. <laughs> and we just were just on a roll. And we were playing some really good football. So you think after one penalty shot, you think, right, that was a penalty, but right, we're still doing this. And we were, we were actually taking it to them a little bit. And you think of back to the Florent Maluda one where... Danny Alves like, pulls him back in the box. The ref gives a foul, but then two feet outside the box. <laughs> and you think, well, hang on a minute. No, that doesn't make sense. And then there's the one where Didier Drogba goes through and is pushed off balance into Valdez. And think, right, that is a 50-50. You get those given, you get you send them not given. Don't challenge the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> and no, it was, it was PK that gave the foul. It was nothing wrong with the keeper, to be fair. But the one that sticks in my mind, the one of the most, is... When Nicholas Anelka flicks it past PK, and PK's hand is just outstretched in the middle of the area, like he's playing basketball. It smacks him full on the palm. It's not even like it's dubious where it is him, full on the palm. And it's not even like one of those ones where it goes off at an angle. It just goes straight down as if it's like <laughs> playing basketball with it. And you think, well, hang on a minute, this is fucked up. Hang on a minute, I'm not having this. And then they go and score with one of the best goals you've seen just outside of the foot, and it just. You just start thinking, and again, it's that moment of commentary. It's then Chelsea fans cover their faces in horror. It's that sticks in my <laughs> mind. And then in the last minute, you got Michael Ballack. He absolutely like twats it, and it just hits. I think it's Eric Abadell's like arm, four foot in front of the referee. And you talk about unnatural positions for the arms to be in. His arm is above his head. Like, it's like the most unnatural position to try and stop a ball as humanly possible. And then you've got that infamous Thomas Oriovu, Michael Balak running to the halfway line, like, just screaming, point back. And you know that he's just channeling everything every Chelsea fan wants to do at that stage. And then you've got Didier Drogba at the end getting like a four-match ban because he just shouts, this is a fucking disgrace. <laughs> and that just... And I remember... Yeah, I, I, I remember Gus Hiddink coming into the actual interview after that as well. And he's got... And he is just spitting feathers. I've never seen a bloke so angry in a post-match press conference. He's, going, he's like, I've got f- five incidents on this notepad. And he's got it like, <laughs> pointing into this notepad that he's got stuck in his like top pocket of his shirt. And he's like, I've got a five moments. And you know that his blood pressure's through the roof. His face has gone red. And he just wants nothing more to just twat that ref. <laughs> and like I said, I think I've said it in previous pods, there aren't many times where I think football is larger than life. And people deserve death threats for um, for things. But Thomas Oriebu, you deserved every death threat that you got, and I will not, I will not take that back. And you still, ten years on, and that the injustice of it all. I remember tears in my eyes, punching the floor with just absolute, what can only be described as anguish, wanting to fill something in, but I just couldn't. Before before this pod started, and I said yesterday, I've had this discussion with Jack before. We were waiting cheese rolling for those who know what that is on today, so we've had a little delay. 
I'm speaking with TK about what we're in for. And I said, I've had this conversation with Jack before, and I said, it always ends with, and he had death threats, <laughs> and in this case, I think he deserved it. With with a club that has, you know, had their prize jewel as Diego Costa, who is the ultimate guy who can, just is the ultimate gamesmanship bender of the rules. I mean, wouldn't you say that that was just Barcelona? Wouldn't with- you say that it was just Barcelona, you know, perfecting the art of gamesmanship? It's not bending the rules. That's taking the rules, shitting on them, wiping your ass with them, and then throwing them in the bin. That's not... That's just... It is uncouth for the game of football. That's I think what it you've is. acknowledged that Chelsea do love some shithousery, so There's, seeing them get shithoused right. was... I think I speak for me and Bayern when I say it was a great moment it for makes, us. Makes, it was... Oh, I was celebrating Iniesta's goal. It makes, makes me sick. <laughs> It was so, at that time Chelsea obviously hadn't won a Champions League either and well, it was it was the one Abramovich wanted well, th- th- and it had such good teams from yeah. basically 2004, 2005 onwards yeah. and they just couldn't do it well, for whatever I reason. think the worst thing of it was was that we would have beaten United in that final we knew it because we should should have really beaten them before but it would have been a replay of the year so we would have yeah. got some kind of poetic justice from like that Terry miss and I, I kind of slip off that Terry miss because people forget as well that was to win it Nicholas Anelka was the one that lost it for I us. I think we'll get into that in, in, in more detail. Just to stay with the Iniesta one quickly. So, um, <coughs> Toftu, we all know, a Chelsea fan, maybe one of the worst. Um, he was over mine he, he was over mine previously in um, my Bluetooth speaker set up uh, in my room. And I snuck off for a shit but left it on and connected. And I played the Iniesta commentary over the speakers <laughs> while he was isolated in my room, not knowing where the speakers was. Came back into my room after. He's like, I'm "Telling you, you like Embar, and I'm fucking going home." <laughs> That's some threat, <laughs> but you didn't do that again. <laughs> um, should I just move on to my worst one? Let's do Terry, and then we'll oh, right, switch okay. clubs. So, so yeah, the Terry one. So this was a great final for the neutral because it's one of them and this is how most people feel about this year I know Jack in particular where you wouldn't condone an attack but if there was a place it had to be then on the pitch at that time you'd say look greater good Alex has told us all about the greater good on the podcast before greater good so this one I think we saw it's been tweeted a lot the last couple of days the run up of events that get to this Terry miss Mm. And maybe if Terry was a nicer bloke, people might feel sorry for him. You know, a lot of the Theresa May posts from the news this week saying, oh, no matter what, no matter how you feel about her, you've got to feel for her. This is raw emotion here. Um, Paddy Power did one with John Terry crying in the final saying, look, no matter how you feel about him, this is raw emotion and it shows really what it means to him. But Jack, can you talk us through because... Right before the Terry miss, regardless of what you may say for a penalty shootout, you must be preparing yourself either to leap in the air, to drop to the floor, so to I've, message any United fan you've ever known. I've felt this feeling twice. I think I'd probably say about twice. And it's this really weird feeling that I can't quite put my finger on. It's when you're so ready to celebrate but then it all goes wrong at the last moment and you've just got this dead, sickening weight in your stomach. Yeah, Bamiyang penalty against Spurs. Yeah. So 
John Terry then, and then there was that one when it was Chelsea versus Man United at Old Trafford, and Torres had just scored this ridiculous six-yard chip against De Gea, <laughs> and then it, for like two minutes later, you think, oh my God, it's the rebirth of Torres. Oh my God, he takes it past De Gea. We're back in the game. It's gonna be, it's gonna be three-two. This could, and then he puts it wide, and you're there like. <laughs> Was and it's just this dead, sickening, there are sinking feeling. With Liverpool fans where I'm sure at first you didn't want Torres to do well. But I imagine at, at a certain point it wasn't funny anymore. Like you actually it was quite you wanted him to see him do actually better. Oh yeah, it was when he went basically the when he obviously went there in January, didn't he? He got the one goal against West Ham where it literally stopped it because dead. the pitch was flooded <laughs> yeah. and he had to, to smash it. But he hadn't scored ever than that. But at the start of the next season, I actually genuinely pitted him and I thought mm. I only scored a few goals. I was happy when we, we spoke about the Gary Neville commentary. I was happy that Torres got that mm. because it wasn't a winning goal either. They were already going through and he just got that to seal the deal. That was enough for me. I was like, look, mm. I'm happy for you. Because yeah. other than that, your career has been a worse since but yeah, Liverpool. Going back to the John Terry, John Terry miss. So it's one of those, you know, you always re- re-see games and you re-see snippets of games. I've actively never rewatched it. I did that with Frost um, knocking out Groves. Yeah, yeah. Like, you always see clips of it. And I remember thinking, like, did that really happen? Did <laughs> did did this happen in the game? It's like you look at Frank to take the pen. So it's supposed to be Didier Drogba. So the the, the Im- so the unfolding of events are as follows. So you've obviously got that Ronaldo header, bottom corner, and then we proceed to absolutely batter, okay, absolutely yeah. So absolutely yeah. batter United for the entirety of the game. So you've got Drogba hitting the post twice. You've got John Terry doing that. One of the best goal lines clearance you will ever see in football, which is... <laughs> and don't forget, their front three was Rooney, Tevez in... Slimbridge. Well... Is he John Stones this so <laughs> It was a half volley from 10 yards out. It's gone past the keeper and John Terry has done a flying header <laughs> and knocked it over the bar. Like this, and he can't use his hands. Like if you rewatch that video, that, that shouldn't happen. However, we then proceed to batter them, get the um, get the equalising goal, goes into extra time, and there's like an altercation between Drogba and Vidic, and he does the most nonchalant, pointless, open-handed little clip round the cheek, and the ref sees it and brightly sends him off. You can't do that, and you think that people were ready to sell Drogba at this point. So obviously he hadn't had a good first couple of seasons. He'd been nicknamed just. The yak because he was u- more useless than a goat, so he called him a yak or something like that or a donkey. He was worse than a donkey, and he was just didn't adapt that well. He was throwing himself on the floor, and then he goes and does this, and it was like the pinnacle of the hatred that came with it. So then you've got John Terry stepping up and taking a penalty because Drogba was suspended. And he was supposed to take the fifth, and you got another one. You got Ronaldo missing the penalty. So you think like, do you respect it or hold it against him? What? Missing the penalty. I can't own it against him because that's the that's the one guy that you look at the team now and you think we haven't got leaders in that team. That is the one guy that would run through walls. He would walk through fire, bleed for Chelsea. So you can't... It's, it's almost like a pity instead of holding it against him because you feel that he never... That was his moment. Mr. Chelsea from being there from like 14 years old and you still feel sorry for him these days. And you think of... A lot of, yeah, Chelsea winning it was great, but there's been a lot of heartbreak. A, a lot of heartbreak along the way to get there. But that's what Champions League is, and that's why it is so special. 
and that's why only a select few who have seen their teams win it. <laughs> As he looks at me. Yeah. All right, Alex, let's give us your worst moment for your team. Well, my my worst moment is obviously Chelsea winning the Champions League final, but no, I'm not going to talk for Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they obviously that was the, my worst Champions League moment. But for for Spurs alone, uh, I can only talk about recent times. But um, uh, last year, uh, being knocked out by um, being not not last yeah, yeah last year last year being knocked out by Juventus. Um, <laughs> This was this was ridiculous because I was away. I was away training at the time, um, and I, I was absolutely broken from the day. I had planned to like head out to one of the local bars just to go and watch it, uh, but I was literally in pieces. I can't describe how fatigued I was. So I was on the sofa back. I was on the sofa, got the iPad out, managed to find this stream of it um, to watch it, and uh, we're it's going well. <laughs> we're one nil up. And the stream's a little bit dodgy. I mean, I've had to refresh it a few times. And that was Son that scored them, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. I thought was it Kane. I thought Son. No, no, no. In through defenders, possibly. Um, so I'm like, I'm preparing myself. It's been a good evening. It's making me feel less fatigued and enjoying this. The feed goes. The feed goes. Trying to refresh it. About two minutes, three minutes passes. Get the feed back up. It's not very good picture. Can't really understand what's going on. Look at my phone. Read all the messages. We're two one down. We've gone from being one nil up to two one down, and my heart I just like sink. I, I was like, I didn't know. I never even got the feedback. I was just like completely in shock as to what had happened. And it was, it was the fact that, like I said, I I saw us going into it, all of those matches as underdogs. But at that point, I'd kind of like thought, yeah, we got. <laughs> We got this. We're going through. This is it. This is we're going to go through to the next round, and we've beaten Juventus. This is a big, big moment for us. And then realization sits in, and then you see all this messages like Spurs bottling it and all that sort of stuff. The interview so. after it is the history of Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have I haven't actually watched that interview, and I don't plan to. I mean, you should. You really should. <laughs> it's like it's culture. It's something that everyone should see. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll watch it after. Well, I'll maybe watch it after this season ends. All right, so the obvious one for me would be losing the final. Getting a man sent off early against Barca, and this was, I can empathise, sorry, I can't, I was just, with, I was going to say empathise with Jack, but Barca, <laughs> if anyone was going to have a favourable decision in the Champions League, then it is Barca. So they get to play against 10 men. Campbell scores, I think, on about 37 minutes. And I think we've all probably experienced this before, whether it's against City, Barca, Madrid, whoever. And there's the point where you've scored and you're telling yourself, all right, it's a matter of time until we concede. And then the time goes on and you actually allow yourself to start counting down the minutes because you think maybe we could actually see this out. And it is true what they say. It's the hope that kills you because you then go on Omri... Missed two chances early to go a goal up. Worst performance he's ever had in an Arsenal shirt. He then misses one about four minutes before they equalise with an offside goal that goes through Armunia's legs. Perez has been yanked off the pitch at this point, so you knew he was done because that was when his contract was running out at Arsenal. <laughs> Nothing changes there. And then you have, I think there was like a handball in the build-up to the second one. I've not watched it back like Alex said. 
Um, I remember crying after the game, <laughs> saying not only we lost, that Henri was going to leave. <laughs> he then signed a four-year deal after and went a year after that <laughs> for sixteen million pounds. Uh, there, there was a guy. There was point five million than Darren Bent in the same summer. <laughs> we spent actually more than on getting Eduardo, who was a baller, but he wasn't Henri. They um all I just remember is this the bus that I used to get to school um from that day um one of the school buses I the there was one Arsenal fan on the bus one and the day before it was a non school uniform day and he wore the Arsenal shirt with pride was talking it big and he sat right at the front of the bus um downstairs and all I remember is getting on and just like just give him a little smirk because he was like into he was like he, he was like fully admitted that he was like really upset and was like you know did cried and all that sort of stuff but just that sure. smirk he that when he was a united fan as well that's just childish the 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 other one for me and this one is more prominent in the memory and this is going back to 2008 i believe and this was uh arsenal liverpool in the what i think was the quarter final so mate 2007-2008 first leg I believe blatant penalty that should have gone our way towards the end of the first leg then you go away to Anfield for the second leg Diaby scores an absolute rocket early, one of them that you can't even blame the keeper for saving despite the fact it's just gone through them start to dream then, Sammy Huppier equalises from a corner standard Arsenal then I believe Liverpool may have taken the. I think Liverpool took the lead. Then may have been Torres, but I'm not certain. He was Okay, was some. Yeah, I believe it was him that scored. He came to him and then, <laughs> just when you think Arsenal are done on about 85 minutes, Walcott runs the entire length of the pitch as what a 17-year-old kid squares it across the box for Adebayor to tap in. Adebayor's trying to celebrate. For some reason, Walcott grabs him and says, stop celebrating, get the ball back. I don't know why still to this day he tells him to carry on and get on with it. I'm still in the midst of celebrating and I remember, so my brother's watching, my mum was randomly watching it as well. Everyone there, I think they were all mutually cheering for Arsenal at this point. Babble, one of the worst dives I have ever seen over an outstretched Colo Torre. And it, one of them where we've said it about people before, when Gerard steps and take the penalty, you just know that it's going to go in, particularly in that kind of moment. You have to hear this garbage. Oh, that this champ, famous Champions League night. At <laughs> then Arsenal are chasing oh, the game to, to try and get back into it. And... Uh, I'm not sure who was in goal at this point, but they've come almost up to the halfway line for some reason to chase a dead ball. And I think it was Babel then who did chip it over him into an empty net. And I remember crying again. (laughs) (laughs) Full school of what must have been Liverpool fans had about eight, even the stupid ones like, why wouldn't you let Arsene Wenger have a dog? Because he can't keep hold of a lead. Like that was the level (laughs) things were going to. And I don't. I've still not ever got over it because it's maybe my favourite Arsenal shirt of all time. The the white, the white one maroon. with the little like script across yeah. the maroon cuff, a fresh face the old Walcott. At that point, you're also thinking, what kind of player we got on our on our hands here? Yeah. 
Adebayor was at the peak of his... I think the round before that, we had Villarreal and he scored the peach of a overhead kick when one of those ones where ITV is still on the ad, uh, like showing a replay. But no, that's the that's the, what the what if when you look back because should have had a penalty, they shouldn't have had a penalty, and it goes in with the history of uh, Liverpool diving in the Champions League. You you've had um you've had quite a bit of a like a relationship with Barcelona in the Champions League as well. Ended up with them a lot of the time. Do we you top, remember we top the group? We yeah. draw Barca. Yeah, yeah, we come second in the group. We draw Barca, and if yeah. we don't get Barca, we draw Bayern. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember? There's a, a theme with teams that win the Champions League, though they tend to beat these teams. But other teams, <laughs> teams it's very it true. is what it is. It is very true. <laughs> these teams don't usually have Almunia in goal. Plus, to be fair, you haven't got that problem anymore, have you, Bayern? <laughs> More of you. More of you. Oh, next year. Um, we will be there next year. <laughs> but do you remember when um, one game that sticks out for me in my head was uh, it was a second leg at the New Camp and Van Persie got sent off for kicking the ball away oh, and he couldn't hear with the crowd. Point five of a second after the whistle blew and we would have won that tie if he was still on the pitch. Yeah, because the momentum was fully in your way. Everyone knows I was a Bentner man. Bentner having a one-on-one to win it in stoppage time out of nowhere Mascherano saves his Barcelona career with his short legs that Michael Jordan space jams (laughs) to wrap his legs around it and not do it and I still had to try and defend Bentner from there onwards I I do remember watching that game and it's one of the very few times where I've looked at that moment with Van Persie and I thought that's just a pile of shit that is European refs and Barcelona I think this is what it is. It's because obviously all the stuff with Chelsea, but I've also seen it happen to other teams and it superseded my rivalry with teams like Arsenal that I can genuinely empathise because it's like, that's just bollocks. (laughs) It's just bollocks. I hate seeing that. And it's like UEFA loner when it it was 100% true. And that's what makes victories like Jose Mourinho's Inter even more sweet and the Chelsea's when we have gone and beaten them. Because the funny thing is as well, Chelsea's record against Barca... Up until we played him a couple of seasons ago with Conte, up until then, we'd played him like six or seven times. I think it was six or eight, seven or eight times between those times. And we hadn't lost a single game. We'd drawn and gone out on away goals previously, but they hadn't beaten us. I think it was something like two wins and a few draws kind of thing, or three wins. But we have a good record against them, surprisingly. Or we did. All right, TK, close us out on this bit then with your worst Champions League moments, including uh, for Liverpool. Uh, even the two lost finals I've seen um, losing to Spurs would be right up there <laughs> um, yeah last year I think might have been the roughest just in terms of those curious mistakes are just just haunting um, yeah I'll go with that although I will give a little mention to the uh, year we lost to Chelsea in the semi-final with the John Arnarisa own goal yeah. that was pretty rough we had quite a rivalry with Chelsea at the time yeah. and to have that was 7-5 on aggregate. Yeah, to have lost that one, that was pretty rightful because Reese wanted to use his head instead of his right foot. A- Alex on them free kicks, if it's the tie I'm thinking about, where didn't he score two identical free kicks yeah, in the same? 7-5 on aggregate that tie. I don't know, that's when you said Chelsea-Liverpool. That's the one I was thinking I'm trying to think because we played each other like four times in the space of five years or something stupid. It was like, there was that one... Where Lampard's mum had obviously sadly passed away and he scored the penalty and then started crying. That was just brilliant. And then you had the Alex free kick one. But then the one that you're on about was literally, you'd 
pretty much played us off the park at Anfield all game. And you well, going in 1 0, and it should have been more. You oh, should no, have scored more. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he does this stooped diving header thing, doesn't it? Was yeah, it like that? Yeah. So he's, he's yeah. coming onto his right foot for whatever yeah. reason. He's gone for the diving header. Yeah, and he's gone <laughs> in. And he's gone like just in, and it's like the 85th minute. Yeah, and you, you'd, you'd played us off the park, and then you'd just given us an away goal. It used to be nice having Chelsea as kind of like a city where you didn't know any fans and you could at least root for them against. United, Liverpool, and now I'd arguably dislike them more. Yeah, well, yeah I, I people say it about um, the stick that City are getting now for you know the money and the, the domination. And I saw a City fan complaining, "Oh, well, Chelsea weren't subject to this criticism." I was like, "Did you did you miss it? Yeah, did you yeah. miss it? They got vilified. Like yeah. everybody hated them. Like they were going up against United, and I was sort of like." I really don't know who I want to win the league out of these two. I, and I, I hate United more than anyone, but I was genuinely conflicted because it was like, there was such a level of hatred towards Chelsea. It was sort of like the, the new money in the division. The thing is, though, is that Chelsea, although people love to bang on about how we've got no history, you look at the amount... Yeah, you look at, you look at the amount of trophies that we've won. We've won FA Cups, we've won Europa Leagues, um, well, UEFA Cups as it was, but then European Cup Winners' Cup. We've beaten Real Madrid in the final of the European Cup Winners' Cup twice once in the 70s yeah, when I mentioned that it doesn't yeah, count yeah. I was going to say because Spurs can make this argument as well it's, it's, I don't think anyone's saying they haven't any history it's no, that it's, they're not well, they've kind of gone from fringe contenders to the main men I think. yeah uh, Spurs have a Southeast Asian friendly trophies of my list of honours on their oh, website oh yeah but the legit the, the, the European Cup Winners Cup that's that used to be a prestigious trophy we've beaten Real Madrid twice yeah, 70s yeah, that we've won that as well. So oh, yeah, just yeah, uh, Tottenham, so Tottenham, Tottenham does we've won that. It's but just, like just before yeah. we move on, I like we just before we move on. I haven't like we didn't bring it up, but like I, we've spoken about it briefly before. But this is like one of my standout Champions League moments, and it was the go. It was the ghost goal after when Liverpool against Chelsea, and I, I need to. I need to. I didn't quite get across. I didn't get across when I brought it up originally. Like. When I knew what kind of man Jack was, when he turned up at the school gate, it's a 10 to 1 ratio of <laughs> Chelsea fans to Liverpool fans, being one Chelsea fan. So I'm outside the gate with the newspaper. He's already in tears before he's walked in. And he, he goes in anyway, guns blazing, and I watched him walk in to face those Liverpool fans who were shithouse Liverpool fans. And I thought, he knows that that's a no-win mission. He knows he's going to his, he knows he's going to his end, and I respect that. Just to build on that. My, <laughs> like yeah, just to, just just to build on that, my dad had actually wound me up in the car because he's he's a massive Chelsea fan, and he and he's the reason why I am a Chelsea fan today. And he's like, "Do not take anything. You go in there." And it's almost like he's giving me some sort of pep talk. So I'm like, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna do it. Pray out. Shut that door." Straight in. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny Alex should say about the lengths Jack went to there because after our keeper debate last week <laughs> he's actually re- recreated a, a player jumping into the keeper to demonstrate what shouldn't be allowed with when it comes to roughing the keepers <laughs> and played it back in slow motion on the FIFA replay it just happened in a game and I was like right this just absolutely proves my point and it was literally like a player like wiping the keeper into the net so not like the, not like the contentious point that we tried to tip when you around. signed him for the pod you knew he was a football purist you knew what he was going to get football purist right. if we go on to worst Champions League moments not including your team. 
Now, the standout one for me has to be Gerard's dive in Istanbul. Watch it back last night because I wanted to double check, like, is this as bad as it is in my head? It's worse. It's genuinely worse. He does the full-on, like, flail back, arms in the air, arch of the back to go down. Gattuso's had a little touch on his shoulder outside the box, and he's thrown himself to the deck. The thing is, I genuinely for his foul. You know, I'm I'm a fairly straight shooter, and to be fair, if he dived, I would have fully, fully embraced it. Make no mistake about it. I quite like a contentious one going in your favour. So if he had, I would be fully like, if you for example, the Ryan Barber dive against Arsenal, fully embrace that. I absolutely love it. So it's not any by any means like a defending the club's honour. More than happy if it's a dive. I thought it was a, I thought it was a foul, but. If you think that would have changed the outcome of the result in Istanbul, feel free. But <laughs> it absolutely would have. <laughs> yeah. Gerard, you booked for diving, and he's got a tiptoe then. Yeah, that would completely change it, despite all the momentum being Liverpool's favourite at this point, and then winning with a team with. I'm sure we'll get on to the worst teams to win the Champions League anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was just one of those. I'm not normally a fan of meant to be ones, but it didn't really seem to be the Milan's day that did it. Could you argue Gerard with the? doing his hands like this could have been booked for inciting the crowd if he was an NFL player yeah, he could have got in yeah <laughs> alright so other worst moments more against Ajax which we'll get on to that I've that's maybe as low as I've felt in a game not involving <laughs> Arsenal um, and like the United against Chelsea one yeah. where you quite literally don't know which way to turn like a goal yeah. goes in and I, it's strange to feel so conflicted the only kind of tipping point was my brother being a United fan, so I was probably rooting for Chelsea just about. But then when it's Terry, it's like, mm, not too sure which way I want to go. Yeah, that was my that was my worst moment. It has to be just outside of Liverpool, just watching those two. There were so many shit houses on one pitch. Just Ronaldo was kind of his most hated over here at that point. Really, uh, Terry obviously was what he was, and at that point, which is a legend of the game. <laughs> we. With the way Chelsea hadn't won one, I quite liked uh, the idea that... Well, I think anyone who sees like a rich person who kind of wants anything they can get, they can get whatever they want. And the idea that Branovich couldn't get the Champions League was still quite an appealing idea in my mind. But then watching United lift it wasn't an appealing idea in my mind. So I had no real win in this uh, in this circumstance. I think this is going to be my worst Champions League moment is this final. Because because I've got Spurs. I think a lot of people have got. <laughs> I've got Spurs and Liverpool. Who I've been rooting against all season. I'm now like, well, it has to be Liverpool because it's gonna have to be six times. Like they've already won it once. Couple of where Spurs haven't. Couple so, of things for you to uh, kind of brace the fall. Are you still planning to watch the final with us? Yeah, probably. Will you wear red? And will you sing "You'll Never Walk Alone"? I will sing "You'll Never Walk Alone." <laughs> Because the annoying thing is, after because I live with my mates for a bit, living with a few Liverpool fans, is it come out? It come out. It came out. Every pre steam that you get to, you just you just, you just hear the you hear the, like the the normal tunes go off, and then just the start to it, and you're just there like, right? You either it took me like a few weeks, but I was like, I'm just gonna have to embrace it. There's there's few worse things, and I can't say this is a recent thing due to my night out habits, but. When you're the one controlling the music and you think you're doing a fairly like level job of keeping things on the right kind of tone, 
and there's one person that insists you play their request and it's completely like off the key <laughs> yeah, of yeah, what yeah. everyone else wants to listen to and it's a continual oh come on put it on put it on put it on <laughs> and then you put it on and then it kills the entire mood <laughs> yeah. and then you get all the blame for it <laughs> and then it's like well you told me to put it on is it no I didn't mate <laughs> Alright, so anyone else have any other awful moments not including their team before we move on? I think the horrificness of the moments there has to be your team because those are the ones that just block out everything else. Ask me on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Barca winning anything. We'll ask you Saturday night, Alex, because you're going to be there. It's official spitballing pod business. Yeah. Also, I'd just like to bring something back up. So you said to me a while back that you can't fit a sponsor on your t-shirt but if i can get one of the temporary tattoos printed with a logo then you'll do it yeah. i found a place that does it so watch watch <laughs> yeah, this definitely. space definitely i'll whack it on whack it on when i looked i was gonna see how much it was because i was gonna get the uh one of tk looking at cam like disgusted as well <laughs> if you could but it was they were charging a little more for that so i'm not quite that enthused by it okay then so Best Champions League team ever. And this isn't so whoever's won the most. This is a specific squad. And I think the two might actually go in sync. So for me, when I was looking back, that 2005 Milan team is as complete as a team as you could possibly ever find. It's, I know uh, we've done the kind of create dream teams on here before. And you almost go down that path where you either say, look, we usually say, look, they don't have to work together. It's just the best player in each position. That team was essentially, you create the dream team where they are all working together. It was kind of when Jose had all that money at Chelsea and he was kind of the best at doing that because he would get the best kind of player get in each position, but would also have the specific role on each one. And I mean, just to reel off some of the names in that team. So the lineup that they started with was Dida in goal, Cafu, Stam, Nestor, and Maldini at the back. Midfield of Perlo, Gattuso, and Seydorf. And then as a front three, Kaka, Shevchenko, and Crespo. Yeah, fair enough. That's and they had uh, Yondal Thomason on the bench. It's like, sort of like a Hall of Fame in each position, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like, that, that, that four is just yeah. crazy. There literally isn't a player there that you would say wouldn't be a kind of Hall of Famer. It, it's got to the point where the rest of the team's that good that people kind of would say, Seydorf's like that underappreciated guy now because <laughs> how could you appreciate him as much when you have Perlo and Gattuso next to him? You, you could potentially argue that, that like not just the Champions League, but that's one of your vintage all-time best like teams yeah. to you know at club level. Um, for me... I've got the uh, 2002 Real Madrid side uh, with Zidane. Um, I've got... I try to remember their defence now. Um, they've got Morientes up front. Raul. Spent, like, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Raul yet. Um, I always get Morientes in as my uh, under-18s manager on the new football yeah. manager. Lu- uh, Luis, Luis Figo as well. Um, Hope you're his assistant. Yeah. Um, and obviously a side which has still got Roberto Carlos in as well. I mean, that's your quintessential... Um, uh, what would you call it? The, uh, uh, the uh, what would you call the uh, the Real Madrid Galacticos? Galacticos. That's it, Galacticos. Do yeah. Think, do you think with how many like good free kick takers you have today, do you think the legend of Roberto Carlos will soon die? 
because I don't know that that free kick is pretty unique. Because yeah. how how many or do you think it'll be one of those things where you kind of so we watched and this is going to sound ridiculous. So we watched <laughs> one of the iconic Michael Jordan games when we did one of our upstairs pods a while back, and as much as we hear what the glory days it was, it did not look like what we watch today. So do you think when you look at the old Roberto Carlos ones, despite the physics being what they are, it'll be kind of one of those, oh, well, today you wouldn't really get that? No, because they did it so consistently and with such accuracy that it was just... But that's hard to transform through like time yeah. to tell someone, oh, they did it consistently, whatever. But they, all they got to do is you might see the amount of times that he did it. Because you look at Alex, for example, and he's... I've got what three free kicks that stick in your mind: Arsenal, Liverpool, and there's another one. Where People just... wouldn't even think about him if like no, no. it wasn't for that. So I would say like, so you look at that Roberto Carlos one, and mm. it and it looks cool. Then if you show someone now, and they're two completely different, and you show say Ronaldo against Portsmouth, mm. I think that is gonna age better. Yeah, because of the person that's actually done it. However, There's a bit more personality in it to kind of yeah tell is. that legend through. But the thing is, what Roberto Carlos did—the outside of the foot to make it bend the opposite way to which he struck it—hasn't been done before. No, no, I so I'm I agree. I yeah. think that's the better, harder technique. I, I just it, wonder how time is going to remember people. I think as soon as people start doing that exact technique and doing it more regularly. But like I said, no one's done it since. He's got that that amazing shot where he hit it from the corner flag and it went in because he just bent it the way he did. No one's done that since. So I don't... I know people have hit knuckleball uh, free kicks, like the Ronaldo one. That Jabulani ball. That Jabulani yeah. ball in the World Cup. Anyway, yeah. Everyone was mental. Yeah. It was a floater. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think as soon as someone starts doing it, the same technique I think then you'll probably think that yeah, maybe but no one's done it since so I don't I think agree. even so though you're you're never the you're never going to be the first once the first has been done you can never quite match it it's, mm. it's also one of those freak things or like we haven't forgotten Tony Yeboah's goal he's also one that comes up it's just certain yeah. goals stick yeah. and regardless it's not the best goal you've ever seen but for whatever reason that is always yeah. going to stick I think him yeah. whenever free kicks get mentioned he's always the go-to sort of one that gets mentioned isn't he mm-hmm. Do, like so, I, I once had a discussion with somebody. We, we yet to mention a Barcelona side. So, um, obviously, the two standout ones are probably the two thousand ten to eleven um, when they beat United in the final, and your two thousand five to six, um, which is Ronaldinho and Eto. I uh, so he's probably he's a guy who's probably about five, six, seven years older than us, and he's adamant that the five to six Barcelona team is better than the ten to eleven team. That, that, yeah. I don't know. He 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 thinks he he think he said from a from an attacking perspective at their best he thinks that the combination up top of Ronaldinho Samueletto at its peak is better yeah, than yeah. Messi and David Villa. Yeah, but then it's more how they work. It's as if you want names, that's what they got. One of the first things Guardiola did when he came in was he sacked off Ronaldinho, Etu, and Deco. He said, "Right, you're out. I'm bringing this in." Yeah, they're great players, but he's brought in what is a better team and then formed the midfield based off Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta. I think that's got a, a decent case of being the best team I've ever seen, let alone just Champions League, just in terms of almost, not recreated game, but certainly P 
people have tried to copy that template ever since in terms yeah. of playing for the right way. But they're also one of the first teams that really employ the press like they did. Mm. Pressing without the ball and sort of that, that time frame to get the ball back was kind of stemmed from them. So they were not only the most dominant, they were one of the most entertaining to watch when they got it right and also have been one of the most revolutionary. Well, they They were a strange team that you could be entertained whether they were 10-0 up and it would still be exciting to watch them. They they were, if you were conducting a class on how to play football the right way, they were the like template. There's a documentary that's come out called um, Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, and it's based around the whole setup of that team. I've not watched it yet, but it's meant to be really good. Mm. And there's so much with them of so much homegrown talent through it come through the ranks where even Barca now have kind of got players in there like Dembele Coutinho who've had spent huge amounts of money on mm. which is, I think they've kind of lost their identity a little bit mm. by having to do that the thing about being entertained with them as well they probably benefited from as you said I only tended to be able to watch them during the Champions League and maybe some clips online but there wasn't the access to sort of European football that either because you didn't ask us or you just don't have the access you've got now then so I think they probably benefited from whenever we saw them it was a bit of a treat to see them to manage the egos in that team alone is mm. impressive yeah um, I would say with Pep just mentioned him I don't know if anyone's seen the uh, Twitter video that came around this week him and Warnock, him yeah. and Warnock the, <laughs> yeah. the comparison so good unreal sensational I haven't seen that so send me a link it, to it yeah later. it's essentially they say look uh something like equal passion to different methods or something and it's comparing and then it's like <laughs> Pep saying look this that and he's like you're gonna die out there you're gonna it's hard to but you need if you see it the comparison is mm. on the the clip of him on his own fishing just completed it <laughs> unbelievable my my one qualm with that 2010 to 11 Barcelona side though is um when they won that final against them United and they won it in such uh, it was 3-1 the final score but they won it like we didn't really expect Barcelona to lose that final it there was, was a point when Rooney scored where I was like hang on <laughs> yeah but, goal as well. they, they won it yeah. very convincingly after that and it was kind of and I remember them like talking as they were you know handing them the trophy and they were sort of talking about that Barcelona squad as if they were going to go on to an era of supreme dominance in the Champions League now and I don't feel like that ever happened and do you know why that is? <laughs> Because Chelsea beat them in the 2011-2012 season. And that that's what it was. And that's why it was such a massive feat. Because they were seen as the best club side to ever walk the planet. Oh, we get it, Jack. We get it. <laughs> but yeah, they, they just kind of put a uh, uh, stick in the spokes for it. probably also did have a yeah. thing, didn't he? Yeah. Once he's had his time, he tends to go. Chelsea retired that Do team. Do you have a best team before we carry on? Um, it's probably going to have to be that Barca team. Just... just it, it's the one that really stands out. It's the one that we all look back on and think that is some team. And as much as we say about it didn't dominate, they were the dominant team for that short period. And also, are you going to make the case that say this Real Madrid team has just won three on the bounce is in any way comparable to that? I don't think so. No, I would yeah. I would always have that Barca team as a, a greater team in the great and when you're thinking the sort of the pantheon. I would really say as well the last few years in the Champions League. There hasn't been that much competition, and I'll say for wise because the routes to the final of for the play the teams who have actually got there, because there's like a few elite teams in there. 
and they, if they play off against each other then they knock each one each other out but there's easy routes like last year like Porto Roma things like that yeah. there's easy routes to the final these days I said when Ajax uh, beat Madrid and obviously we didn't know what they'd go on to do then that in the moment it's nice to have the upset but then when it gets later in the competition it's yeah. a bit like oh you you want the four best teams yeah. in in their possible because they were we were teased, weren't we, by the possibility of a Madrid-Barca final, and that was when we got Dortmund-Munich, was it not, where we had each of them in the centres. Yeah. Yeah. So if we get on then to the worst team to win a Champions League, TK referenced it earlier, the Liverpool 2005 yeah. one, and I don't even think Liverpool fans, rightly so, would take that as an insult. It almost makes it more spectacular. Yeah. To do it, what? How? What? How do you think the people cope? The left, like, how could you cope having left that final? Because there's stories of people doing it, isn't there? And that's when you could legitimately believe people probably did leave because three nil down. Your team probably had no right to be there. Another team is an all-time great team. Seems to lead to a pretty obvious conclusion, doesn't it? Well, Shevchenko wasn't there when they then beat Liverpool. 2007 was it? No, yeah, it was it Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea yeah. Him kissing, he kissed the trophy, didn't he? On the way, on the, was it half time he kissed the trophy? There were stories of yeah. stuff like that. I don't know how. It's like it's like Tim for Bayern Munich. He touched the trophy. He's the only player to have touched the trophy it. before. And you think of why would you do it? How bad the luck was for Bayern in that Chelsea final? Yeah. Like how many chances they missed and they should have scored. Gotta kind of think that maybe that has kind of hoodoo behind. You it. gave me, yeah. you gave me the what if scenario, didn't you? Before was it about the uh, the penalty and then missing the penalty, and then going on to do that after yeah. just the little intricacies. The Chelsea 2012 one on paper isn't a great squad <laughs> compared to some no. of the other teams we've just mentioned there. No. But again, if you can do it, it makes defeat better well, in well, the long run. That's it. So we had a back four of. Um, Louise and Cahill, Gary Cahill, who'd signed from Bolton for seven million in we that same season, two years, yeah. and then we wouldn't stump up the cash, and yeah. instead went for Squillacci. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, we signed him from Bolton, and then went on to get relegated that season in January window. It wasn't even like he was there the whole season. We had Josie Pasingua, right back, the brow, yeah, the mono brow. AD. <laughs> and then you've look at midfield. You've got John Obi Mikel, you've got Kalu, you've got Lampard. Bertrand. Oh. But then you've got that spine of Czech Lampard um, and Drogba. So a list of journalists uh, gathered together. I think it was put up on four four two, but I'm not certain. And they ranked each Champions League winner, winning side from best to worst. I think it was in the last fifty or something along those lines. And this could be a topic of discussion for another day, I'm sure. But they listed that Chelsea 2012 side as worse than the Liverpool 2005 side. See, they had they had that Chelsea side as a bottom three side in the last 50 years. There was there was a there was a Marseille 93 who you'd recognise maybe four names from impressive names. Um, the other one I can't think who it was, but it was it was bad. The thing is, like ability wise, you look at that run and it's just the we are not going to lose. It was the attitude that won that. It wasn't the and ability of the players. And a way of playing, whereas essentially, uh, not to be rude, but it was quite park the bus. It was, and then let Drogba do something crazy. Wasn't it, it? Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly what it was. And, and when you've got a player of his quality 
and you're maybe struggling with injuries or whatever the back. Yeah. That's kind of the way to play, isn't that, it? That, and especially when you think you're going away and needing to get a result with the new camp against the best ever passing football team, and then you're going to play a final in Bayern Munich's home stadium. Like, that's all you can do. This this isn't the time to uh, shoo into Ertzil as could be talking about Champions League. <laughs> but what Drogba did for Chelsea in that is not exactly what people expect, but you expect your top paid guy, your top guy, yeah. to pull you out of a rut when it matters. Yeah. And Drogba did that. And as vile as he was against Arsenal, you had to have at least the level of respect for him. And I think he kind of proved to people that he was more, if he hadn't already, than just a powerful bloke in the box on that run in particular. Well, this is it. The thing is with Drogba is that he wasn't what you'd call prolific. I know he, in the 2010 season, he scored 30 plus goals and won the golden boot. But in the season that he won the Champions League in, I think he only scored 12 goals. Like he obviously he'd come down with malaria the year before, which obviously really doesn't help things. Um, but he kind of like battled through that. But you remember him for being important, like yeah. an important player and cropping up with important goals, like nine goals and nine cup finals just speaks volumes. Yeah. And you just gotta that that's I don't want this to be like a drug eleven. I know it's Champions League, but <laughs> I think you should get an honourable mention because he is Mr. Champions League. He really wanted to win it, and he is the sole reason I would say. I know. We have players around him, but he's the reason why we won it that year. And he would just kind of pitch in, defence, up front, everything. He'd do everything. I think having players like him, like you said, that spine and stuff, is probably why their polls are a bit harsh on the 2012 Chelsea team in comparison to the 2005 Liverpool team, where yeah. you think they did have people... like Where you had Drogba, we had Barosh up front with Kewell playing just off him mm. in the final. Barosh couldn't hit a barn door. Mm. You had Cissé coming on off the bench, who had a broken leg for most of the year. Yeah. And people like... Biscan is always one who gets there. But Jimmy Traore, yeah. he's normally the guy that gets referenced. I think we had Antonio Nunes on the bench. So just people that were very substandard. No, yeah, yeah. Like even when we had, we've had some poor teams in the summer of which, but when sort of like Brendan had his team when he first came in, it really wasn't great. Mm. I probably still would have picked that team man for man mm. over the Liverpool team in that 2005 final. It was just a, I said we said before, a freak occurrence. It does make you wonder how Liverpool were allowed to generate such a bad team. You look like look at Jay Sparing, like John Joe Shelby. I know he's not too bad, Shelby, but going and buying Downing and Carroll. We've had pretty dreadful teams yeah. since since last won the league in yeah. 1990. There's been some awful players through the door. Um, I was thinking to myself the other day, it's like it's not only that Liverpool haven't won the league or something watching. We have far more seasons where we've come like seventh or eighth than come like second yeah. or something. There's only a handful of ones where they've actually challenged. This this is the only thing that I've felt when I've seen Liverpool fans giving it to Arsenal fans in the last two seasons. It's very easy to forget how it was just before that. Like yeah. talking down as if like Arsenal are this like awfully run club, which I won't say they're not, but to say when you were down there a couple of seasons back. Mm. Yeah, the only counter I would say with that is it's kind of the thing that's always levelled at Liverpool fans is talking about the past. So then if you talk about the present, you're not allowed to because you're ignoring the past. It's, well, where are we drawing the line on terms of what well, you can Same as United fans. Like, well, don't forget we've won more trophies in your recent. I, I recognise that. I'm not to be in that. Yeah. But who, who, what position would you take at the minute is, is kind of oh, where the argument's are. I completely accept both. I'm not saying it you for one second. I see some as if like that hasn't happened. Like yeah. We just forget that and then it's... <laughs> this to that well even if you were to probably go back and listen to some of the early podcasts we did I'd 
tended to slate our transfer business, say, look, we'll probably spend X amount of money on someone. It's too much. He's okay, but... I th- well, actually, I thought the same about money. That, that didn't turn out to be true. <laughs> but um, I, I used to sell a transfer policy, whereas that's probably been the thing that's sort of changed for Liverpool, yeah. I think. It's been their main difference. If we shift it on then, best Champions League player ever. And for it's me, tough. begrudgingly, I'll go for Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. Um, I think it may be prisoner of the moment for recent times, but I thought this stat was uh, quite telling. So just to reel off his... Uh, recent successes so he's now got five Champions Leagues only player to have scored in three finals only player to have scored in 11 consecutive games and only player to have scored in all six group matches 63 of his 125 Champions League goals have been in the knockout rounds and 37 of them in the second leg when it counts and this is quite telling so if you look at the uh, Champions League top scorers list um, so 124 goals for him the next would be Cristiano without penalties on 108 Messi on 106 at the time of this article being written so I think this was it was this it was this season so you can get the context of it Um, then Ronaldo at Madrid alone on 105 Raul on 71 Ronaldo in the knockout stage is 63 goals Ronaldo in the group stage is 61 goals Benzema 60 then Van Nistelrooy 56 and Lewandowski 53 so when you think that he's got more goals in just at Madrid alone than Raul, mm. if you think he's got only eight less in the knockout stages alone than Raul had in his whole Madrid career, it's mental. He's he's a guy who we spoke about it with the comeback last week, TK, and the week before when uh, we were all on. He is a guy in the Champions League who you probably, if you have one guy to drag you up, he's probably going to be your guy. He's probably going to drive you mental for about 85 minutes, but then he's going to do what matters. Yeah, I, I, I went with Cristiano Ronaldo as well. I think it's an easy, easy choice um, and the, the numbers speak for themselves. Um, the best Champions League player at the best Champions League club is like that simple. The thing with him as well is people forget earlier in his career they've said great player but doesn't turn up in the big moments which seems obviously outrageous yeah. now but it really was at United that was a big accusation that made him. you said about um, sort of the final with Chelsea mm-hmm. missing the penalty there was the whole thing of like, has he sort of crumbled and the goal record you spoke about that is it is predominantly with Madrid isn't it but yeah. it's obviously incredible what he's done I, f- I will say I don't think it's inconceivable that Messi can catch him in my mind, but I think for some people, I don't think he can do anything now to catch him. Only in terms of, as Jack said, there's a growing sort of attitude that they should have won more Champions Leagues in this time. And he's done. I won't hold it against him too much in terms of, say, for example, this year he probably should have seen off Liverpool and finished them. Then Ronaldo, everything we talk about, the comeback and stuff, wasn't able to get him past Ajax in Juve. So. Yeah. The thing is, so, though, the, and that does get overlooked when we talk about the, the, and dragging the, a team through. The thing is, though, the crucial difference is the fact that R- Ronaldo he has had plenty of bad Champions League seasons. Do you remember when uh, Leverkusen knocked him out of the park, and it was like that? Uh, Lewandowski had an absolute screamer, and it was like everybody was talking about Ronaldo, and he's just literally blown him. Re- made like Lewandowski's come out like a lion and made Ronaldo look like a cat. It's just like he's had plenty of those damn moments, but then has immediately come back. And then they've gone on that Ladesima run of winning three back-to-back. If we hold the comparison, because I think over summer we'll rehash the uh, debate, because I think we last did it 
about a year over a year ago so we'll do that so if we take uh tk if you your pick and then we'll uh, get jacks and move on yeah i think Renard's ob- the obvious choice anyone else you're kind of just sort of paying lip service to um Maldini's been to a countless amount of finals. <laughs> I tried to compose myself, but I couldn't. Go on. Um, yeah, people like Maldini and Raul are historically great players who've done a lot in the Champions League. It's just that Ronaldo and, and Messi beyond him have done, just kind of shifted the level up so much in terms of the Champions League greats. I'll... Pay tribute to Kakar as well, because that 2007 Milan team that won it, he did kind of drag them to that final. and He was the best player in the world at that point. I think with this subject, it's easy to talk about your forwards, your goal scorers. Um, but, you know, you could probably mention a few of the um, like a few of the defensive boys and maybe the midfield the midfield guys. I mean, you'd have to give a shout out to even a few of the goalkeepers. I mean, Casillas and Buffon have seen many, many... Like, we're just not going to talk about them, we're not going to compare them, but those two... You know, those are your your best Champions League keepers. Incredible um, consistency. Exactly, yeah. Um, defensive wise, you'd have to mention Carlos Poyle and Sergio Ramos. I mean, think think how many Champions Leagues they've seen through and brilliant performances that they've been through. But we don't talk about them. Um, you know, think yeah. of think of the amount of like let's say Champions League X one teams that you'd pick each year and how many of them they got in consistently you know it's easy to talk about the forwards I don't think you can mention Buffon with his lack of Champions League yeah but you'd still you'd still have him as your keeper X1 you'd still have him in your X1 Champions League team every year pretty much up until you know when he started to get older but yeah would you say Bale saved Ronaldo's legacy like Ray Allen with LeBron up there Jack do you have a pick before we move on um yeah it's gonna have to be Ronaldo I've been trying to think of like arguments for Messi, I've been really trying to think his ability. I would say Messi's better, but as a Champions League pedigree player, it just has to be Ronaldo. Yeah. Okay then. So, best Champions League final, and if any of you want to go first here, because I did really struggle with this one. For me, I would if if I'll say the uh, Atletico against Real final is the best one I can think of in recent memory with Godin scoring. Early Ramos equalising late, but then they pulled away. In I was thinking oh, because I I enjoyed the so each final I would say was good. The end result kind of let it down. So the Chelsea United one was a very good final. You had everything there. You had missed chances. You had tension. You had goal. Yeah, you had the red card. So I probably prefer that. But then the fact that United come away at the end of it is <laughs> what kind of sours it for me I, I'm obviously biased but I think it, even if you're a neutral it would be a good game to watch in terms of Milan and Liverpool going through and up and then coming back is a, and how often do you get free all in, in a final they often are games that get hyped up and they're all made disappointing because of nerves or tension or whatever let's face it the outcome of Liverpool winning it probably deserve a lot of people I, I, I recognise that I'm not yeah, I'm not I, blind to it I, I, I'm going to give it to Liverpool at AC I mean I like being a kid at the time I remember I got to watch the start of it and then got sent to bed but then like my mum had gone out dad was downstairs everything's unfolding the dad's like like guys guys boys boys come down and watch this and we just like finish from watching it you enjoy the spectacle of it um, uh, yeah like easy for me this, that one see I was on holiday in Menorca 
when that was on. I was with my family. It was 2005. Must have been about 11, 12. Just yeah, before secondary yeah, school, yeah. it was the, was it the summer? Yeah, it was the summer to go into secondary yeah, school, that was it, yeah. and it's obviously it was we really wanted Liverpool to lose because <laughs> it was the goal goal year. Yeah, yeah, that's how they'd got there. That should have been us in the final, and that's why it was so sad. We were watching it in this pub, and we were just had our food. I remember we had a pizza, and we had this Scouse family on the table next to us, and you got this like middle aged bloke, literally just like crying his eyes out at half time. And then by the, and then by like full time he's got his head up, his shirt above his head, crying his eyes swinging it around, <laughs> it's crying out again. And you're like, I can't appreciate it fully because it's soured because I, that should have been us. My favourite ever Champions League final was last year's because the hype, <laughs> the hype, <laughs> the hype that was just you sure about getting him yeah, the hype, the hype that was whipped up. And there's a way we're going to do it. It's our when, year. And when Liverpool was, pulled the goal back, how yeah. nervy were you feeling? I was hoping they'd win. Yeah, it's just, it was just funny because I was, at, I was at Love Saves the Day. I was in Bristol at the festival last year. And I was with Ben Jones, the, my mate who's a Liverpool fan. So we were getting... Yeah, so we were, <laughs> so we were like getting goal updates on our, on our phones, like looking through. And it was like... It was hilarious because you just you didn't know what was going on. We're not watching it. Why is why this why is I don't believe I couldn't be a real fan to be fair, but yeah, poor form indeed. However, you missed the FA Cup final, Arsenal, Chelsea. Yeah, because I assumed they'd win. Yeah, because I I just I just assumed that we'd win it. Um, But yeah, last year to 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 see it thrown away, and it must be like one of those gut wrenching, disgusting kind of I can never. We create that feeling again to watch carriers, one player, throw away an entire Champions League final. I forgot until I watched the highlights back. The one that he just kicks straight just, to just was like... Dog shit sense. <laughs> just, I watched, no. So I watched it with TK and Langston, Liverpool fan who's also been on. It was like, you have the couple of seconds of silence and then the just complete... What are you doing? Because like, the game seemed to stop as well, so I thought, oh, maybe I've missed something and the ref's already whistled something, but no. I'd, I'd argue that Bale's goal helped Liverpool fans get past that yeah. because the brilliance of it, at least, it wasn't that specific goal. Probably would be if it weren't for the fact that the third goal was carried as far as well. <laughs> if he just did the one mistake, Bale might have been able to overwrite it. But Gomez had one of them, didn't he? Ronaldo, uh, when they was Real Madrid Spurs, where he pinged it from about yeah. 50 yards and he just flapped yeah. it in, in his hands. With Gomez and goal, Jesus. Um, the I, I just remembered something. So going back to the Liverpool AC, so the day before, no, the morning before, um, so you had the standard sort of ITV morning coverage and they had this montage of uh, like, let's say, celebrities, well-known people wishing Liverpool good luck. And it's sort of like it built in stature as the clips went along from like, you know, low level celebrities who were just associated with the club or like fans uh, to like, you know, big names and all that sort of stuff. And it, it went, I'm pretty sure the second to last one was the Queen wishing them good luck. <laughs> the last person was Jose Mourinho. And obviously this is off the back of the ghost goal. And he he literally just says, I just want to wish good Liverpool good luck. You've never looked at him, but I've never looked at him before. And the, that is so, for- it was like he had, it was being held at gunpoint yeah. and he was being forced to say, it. like literally it was, it, you watched his mouth, his mouth moves. And it was just like, he that is the most painful thing he's ever had to say in his life. 
Wouldn't it be great if he cowboyed it and just be like, let him all to believe it, and just goes, I hope Liverpool fuck off. <laughs> all right, best team to have never won a Champions League. Doesn't have to be like a specific. All of the squad. Chelsea teams in the. No, I mean like an actual team yeah. that's never won it. Yeah, I was going to say on on that basis, the Chelsea teams, and also the Galacticos didn't really have the success they had. They had their Champions League and then went and bought all these players and didn't really win. Yeah. But I think you know who's going to get your selection here. Yeah. It's got to be Arsenal. Uh, the uh, the fact the Invincibles didn't really have a sort of proper crack at it. Really, around around that time, I thought Wayne Bridge. There is a, a, a common story about being robbed in these in these things, isn't there? But. Yeah, it does. Just some of the great teams Arsenal had. It does surprise me they've not had a winner there. Anyone else have one to check out before we swiftly move on? I think you have to mention, obviously, like you have to mention some PSG teams. Like I know we're like I said, but PSG. I mean, you know, Matt spent recent years in particular. Um, you know, it's kind of getting they're getting away with it a little bit now this season in particular. Mourinho of, was definitely clinging on for that job, and they've just extended Tuchel's contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you could definitely argue them. Um, all right, best Champions League goal ever then. So for me, there's only one standout and it's Zidane, 2002. Humbly disagree. I, I, I don't know. I've spoken about, we've spoken about um, the best goal of all time in the past. Um, and for me, that's a standout one. Not one that I've watched live, but I've watched documentaries about Zidane and I've watched the watched the game back. I've watched the highlights of it. For me, the the sheer, the audacity of it, the composure of it, the finesse of it, I don't know. The it was audacity. Just, yeah. What else was he going to do with the ball for him out of the end? I don't know. It's just like, it's just the, it's just like the, the audacity of how casual he made it look. Yeah. If you want to talk audacity, Ronaldo against Juve is the top dog for me. It trumps the Bale one for me personally. It's, what? Why? I've never got that. Go on. It was a get out of the chair moment for me. And I don't do that often. It's a, it's a stand up and applause. I just... Bales was from further out. The ball was yeah. moving quicker, and it, Bales was better. It's just, yeah, it's just I, better. I, even if if they were two meaningless games, yeah, I would say Bales one was a better goal in and of itself. But bearing in mind the, the context and circumstances, I think even more so. Because you look at Ronaldo back from memory. That's the. Do you, know, do you know what it is? I do think there is an element of sort of hype and stuff around things where you you know you've seen it before where people said oh if Messi and Ronaldo did that would be yeah, pretty yeah. I think because Ronaldo's done it Bale's kind of yeah. the understated sort of never quite Ronaldo guy but if, if I, I feel I, like that does seep into our mindset a bit if I remember rightly so the, what made Ronaldo so special was where he took the he took the few paces to alter his step and then he hit it back the way it came and he just hung in the air whereas Bale had to judge this from a cross like a, an actual cross from the almost the byline from Marcelo I think it was and he couldn't hit it back the way he came he had to have a clean strike in the centre of the ball to allow it to go straight into the well, straight at the goal so almost you'd say if you're hitting it back the way it came it's easier because you can kind of judge it a bit better but you had to hit it so perfectly I prefer the Messi one against Real Madrid to the Zidane one yeah, as well, where he just murders the whole team and puts it in the corner. Yeah, that was on my list as well. Um, he, I can't remember. He swear, he went past basically the the entire the both centre backs, the right back, and one in the midfield. Busquets just literally past. just puts his foot 
to dead the ball yeah. on about halfway and then Messi just takes it from there and yeah. goes through. It was away at the Bernabeu as well. I just remember the look on the I remember the look on the Real Madrid fans yeah. by the guy was just like oh, one of, one of my favorites would be the Ronaldinho against Chelsea just it was one of them that you could feasibly recreate when just playing in the, the garden fact, at school with the, the little swivel. The fact that you can recreate it shows how it wasn't a good goal. It was no, just no, over I, I, just, uh, just a personal favourite. No, I know. To be fair, no. Was, they lost that game as well, didn't they? It's yeah, one that you forget because of the goal. Two, yeah. It was, again, the Chelsea dominance in the Champions League. Um, that was when it started coming into effect when we'd like, right, get up and take notice of this kind of thing. One of my favourite goals has to be Ramirez Chip. <laughs> I know, again, I'm going to be biased because of Chelsea. However, you think of like the actual significance of the goal. That saves us. We don't get that just before half-time. We go out and we don't win the Champions League. To be able to be put through, sprint onto it, and then chip in with that inch perfectness of perfection. But you could also argue, what earth would Valdez doing? <laughs> Why are you coming out there? I think it always think because of that as well. It makes it brilliant that it's a otherwise fairly forgettable player in Ramirez, but he's done that and yeah. it'll always be remembered. Yeah, exactly so. that, exactly that. Uh we referenced it earlier, the Robin volley against United was unbelievable. Just that ping from a corner and you thought he's not gonna hit this short, he's not gonna and then obviously done that, put Bayern was that to get to the final, wasn't it? I think. Was that the semi final? To get to the semi, but was I'm it? Not okay. sure. Yeah, so that was that was class. Um that was it is it um Stankovic goal that always does the rounds on Twitter. That was actually in the Champions League. I hadn't realised it basically scores from like halfway. And one I'd forgotten about was that Manzukic goal in yeah. the final. Where it's just like, it was gen- yeah. that was generally one of the ones where I was speechless. I was like, yeah. I haven't just seen that yeah. surely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so best Champions League comeback. For me, it's the Liverpool Barca one just now because there was literally and there was no controversy about it at all. No. There's no hope for them. No, I'm not having that. We've just completely changed our tune from when we spoke about it the other week. We we said about the Liverpool... We are talking about Liverpool Barcelona had just gone. Yeah, what tune have I changed? Well, we spoke about... When we spoke about that game the other week, we spoke about that game as if, like, Liverpool hadn't really lost the... They hadn't lost the game to Barcelona the first leg. They'd lost against an individual... 4-0 in the second leg. Yeah, I know. But you've just said that Liverpool were like we'd written Liverpool off as that was like a loss before going into match but everybody was sort of saying that uh, after the the result we were sort of saying that well Liverpool they did lose 3-0 in the first leg but they lost to an individual performance they were definitely the better side it wasn't a 3-0 loss they still won 4-0 in the second leg yeah yeah I'm not. I'm not taking away. It's no, definitely. No. It's definitely the top. Like one, arguably the best. But I'm just saying, it's not you to say that they weren't capable of doing it. I would say they were written off in terms of getting through. They were given credit for. They had a good performance in the first leg, yet still lost three nil. So how are they going to not concede yeah. in the second leg and get through? Off? People were. Anybody who was asked would say, "Look, I've given them a bit, of, like a bit of chance, but they're not going to do it." And anyone says afterwards is kind of being the the classic. Oh, I thought they could do it, guy. I I just look. I, I think I look at that that Liverpool team. We know what they're capable of. We know what the club as a whole is capable of. If you were to say to me, if you were to, so my my pick is Tottenham VX. But what? Uh, that, that is the best comeback. Because let me just explain. So if you if you were if you were if you were to say to me I, what was about to if you if you were to say to me I'm scared he was gonna <laughs> if you were to say to me what is more likely to happen Spurs Liverpool, to Liverpool Ajax. No, yeah, just wait, just wait. 
Liverpool to come back against Barcelona at Anfield and win 4-0 against the Barcelona squad, which you know has got a huge bottle in them, or Tottenham, who has been pegged as the ultimate bottlers, who are 1-0 down, and then if you told me that they were going to come back at 2-0 down at half-time away at Ajax, I would say that the more likely scenario is Liverpool winning 4-0 at Anfield against Barcelona. I definitely would. I need to weigh on in this because this is mental. Spurs shouldn't have even been in that position in the first place. Like this is Barcelona overachieving Ajax team, who yeah, nobody thought would even get there. Spurs, Spurs. It was a pick'em game with the bookies going into the second leg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you had to overturn Spurs are the better a one team. One goal deficit. Yeah. This better, better team on paper, but on the on the night, Ajax were the better team. If you so, if you were to say. Istanbul, I could understand the uh, the debate. If you were to say Barca against PSG, I could understand the debate. Spurs against Ajax yeah, is like I, I you need spectacle, to get tested. I, I, think the kind spe- of I think the spectacle at the moment for what for for the the weakness that we, we were missing our key key striker as well. We had Salah and Firmino out. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, but you, your the firepower in that squad isn't exactly lacking still. Y- you're is You're right. It? When we bought Origi, and I was thinking, wow, we all got goals now, haven't we? We played Ronaldo up front in the first fucking game. I'm sick of the violin from Spurs fans of poor little Spurs. You've got you played a club on the budget of West Brom, yet you're the plucky underdog. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know it nah. as well. And the thing was, they said, oh well, we started losing during the game. You had to come back from 3-0. You had to score three goals in the second half. So did Liverpool. They forget. We won 4-0, but they only went 1-0 up in that. They've got the best player of all time at the other end waiting to score. But you, you've you got to say, though, Ajax that... had uh, no one. I couldn't deal with a long ball up to right, the Yeah, but you've got to say that... I would say, I, if anything, it's an exposure of Ajax more than exposure no, of Spurs. I, I, Ajax, Ajax didn't exactly roll over in the second half. They had two... So they, 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 they hit the post too hard. They were, they, they no. were border on unlucky. Yeah, look, Barcelona completely rolled over. They completely rolled over. Well, they had they had two good chances, the same as Ajax as well. They had a chance. Or did you not catch the game? No, they. I feel like I, maybe I can you didn't see. I can see that, but you, you could say that Ajax had a lot more fight in them than that Barcelona squad. Defensively, they didn't because as soon as the target man came on, they didn't know what to do. Even Delit, who's supposedly one of the best centre backs in the world now, they did. I don't remember winning one header, and not only that, they didn't get anywhere near the second ball because every time Laurent had it, it was straight into someone like Alice's feet. Alice's face is telling me. Oh fuck! They're making some good points, <laughs> and me being a Spurs fan has been exposed. <laughs> I tell you, what, I wish he, I wish he had this kind of bottle when we did change my mind to stand up for a point, Jack. If we get your pick, and then we'll TK catch his breath, and then we'll move on. Yeah, I think you're gonna have to have um, the Barcelona six-one against um, PSG. PSG. I, I mean, in a way, I don't want to mention it because of the UEFA Loner and like how. <laughs> He's made his foot's clear. Blaine died for the free kick this exactly. day. Actually, no, we're not mentioning it. It's bullshit. No, we're not doing that. I'm going to go with the one just gone as well. I'll, Screw you, Afalona. I think Istanbul still is better than that only because of 45 minutes to come back against what is an all-time great sort of back four with not a lot of firepower for Liverpool. So I think that is the main reason why I'll go with that. And a dive. All right, Jack, do you think that we have taken the Champions League for granted through years of being in it to now have to put up with the Europa League? And you can probably say it in a not joking way, 
Spurs and Liverpool have had it the other way around where they've had some time out of it and have now come into it so I'm sure they appreciate it more yeah. because of that and we're on the other end of it. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that because the way I look at it now, especially this season with us going in next year, our squad is not good enough to be in the Champions League. It's barely good enough to be in the top four. I don't know how we've managed that. And with a transfer ban as well. But I think you're right. Like It was always just a kind of a yeah, top four. We're always being a top four. That's never yeah. not going to be... That's never ever going to change... I just, oh, I wonder if we'll win it this year. Whereas now it's like, do I, I wonder if we'll be in it next year. <laughs> so it's it's so tricky. And whereas before it was a full conclusion as to who the top four is going to be, you never know who that is now. I mean, Liverpool, Man City, you'd probably say absolute dead certs. But anything after that next year, depending on the the way, um, to, if Tottenham go ahead and win it, for example, and I think I they could bring it in. I just think, yeah, you're right. We have taken it for granted, uh, granted massively, and it's the same as Europa League. Like it's a European final, and usually I'd be like, "Oh my, this is massive." I don't like. It's just, it, it's just another uh, the, game. The, the, I will be going the same way as United fans. If we win, we've won a European Cup. Yeah, I said to you at the time when you ended up in Europe League, didn't I? It is a classic case of don't know what you got to this gone because as much as Liverpool have had some good runs to the final in the Champions League in our time. There's also been a lot of time not even been in the competition. It came second in 2009, but then they had five years out of it. Had one year in, and then we had Ricky Lambert up top, so went out of the group. Yeah. And then we didn't get back in it till Klopp came back. Mm. Until Klopp came in, sorry. So there has been a fair amount of time about it, and it is, yeah, pretty... Once you get back in, there is that excitement again yeah. just to get back in there. And then that's it with the Europa League as well, is that you've kind of invested so much time and effort to get to this final that no one wants to get mm-hmm. to. Because now that you've invested so much time, if you go and lose it now, especially to Arsenal, like a local rival, if it was against another European team, I don't think I'd even care even less. <laughs> I think it's just because it's I, Arsenal. I saw Liverpool fans say they weren't too fussed with the Europa League final until the final came around. And once it starts, yeah, then... Moreno put in that performance. Yeah. <laughs> if if we close out today then with recapping the route to the final and our prediction for the final. So if we go through Liverpool's run first, then we'll go through Spurs and then we'll close out. So if we, for the most part, have TK take us through it as the Liverpool fan, it all started when the groups were drawn. Liverpool first game at home to PSG, two goals up. And from there, it looks like you've thrown away a lead. One of those European nights. When it, when it, yeah, no, it's just a crazy... That was one Sam was at, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's one of those ones where you think, I would love to have been there. Uh, I, I just have something to say before we go on to Liverpool. Does anybody remember my prediction? I tried to think what it no, could no, be. No, 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 I'm being honest here. So uh, this is going <laughs> to... This, this, is, this could potentially come back to completely haunt me forever. Is that I said Liverpool were going to get knocked out in the group stages and <laughs> weren't going to do anything in the Champions League this season. <laughs> now I'm faced Now I'm faced with the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, well, we had one of the toughest groups, obviously PSG and Napoli, isn't there? So I was a little bit concerned. I wasn't concerned until... I'm sure you're going to go through the games, but... I lost to Napoli and then a lost to Red Star made me really start questioning things. Yeah, so next game then after a big win against PSG was losing 1-0 to Napoli. You probably, as much as you'd like to win, probably think if you win your home games, then you should yeah. be enough. It's the two easiest games supposed to be coming up. Yeah. You then beat Red Star 4-0. And you must be thinking, all right, okay, we're back on track. You then go away to Red Star and lose 2-0. And at this point, you must be thinking the worst. 
yeah, especially Klopp kind of had the idea that he thought we'd beat Red Star easy as well, apparently, and st- stuck out a weakened team, which, which didn't go well. Um, yeah, and then I didn't help myself by... I was saying I thought we could go away to PSG and do something as well. <laughs> I've never been... Particular, I've never really trusted PSG. I've always questioned them a little bit, so I thought, look, we've got people who can score goals. We'll stick it on them. And then, yeah, that didn't work out either. That was a particularly vile performance from them as well. Yeah. With the rolling yeah. around and all sorts. Yeah, even um, the manager, you were watching him thinking, like, you have been a proper shithouse in this game. <laughs> so then you went into the final game, if I believe, needing to beat Napoli or was it draw and hope the PSG drop points? But yeah, you, you had to beat them 1-0 or win by two goals. Yeah, so we yeah. couldn't win two, we had to be like 3-1 or whatever, or 4-1 or whatever. So. so you get that goal to go 1-0 up. You have the moment where Van Dyke you think, could be sent off. And then yeah. the barrage starts late on from Napoli just to make it tetchy and you're looking at your keeper saying, you got to dig us out here. Yeah, and it was that late save from Allison, wasn't it? Which, if you don't have it, then you don't get through and you're not where we are now. So, kind of, people saying he's worth his money just for that. Maybe not quite that, but... <laughs> well, financially, it probably has worked out like that with the yeah. way Champions League was, doesn't it? Yeah, but it shows the difference between having a carries in goal and having a, a decent keeper. Okay, so you then get Bayern Munich in the next round. I quite confidently picked Liverpool on here. I had a bet with Brad, won myself a case from that. <sighs> First first leg, one all. And then second leg, you've got to go away to Bayern Munich and get a result. Mane is the man you turn to. Yeah, not for the first time either. Um, yeah, I wasn't... I thought Bayern had been stepped on a little bit. And then when we had a one all in the first leg, I was particularly... It seemed to just be around me all sort of a... Well, just got to go to Bayern and win. <laughs> How often we're, we're constantly talking about, you know... You know, when Arsenal went to the Burnabout one, when Liverpool went to the New Camp one, these are sort of standout nights because they really don't happen very often. So to go to Bayern and do that was when you probably started thinking, oh, here we go again. You had to make the late detour on race week to yeah, was... get to mine before kickoff. Chaos time, yeah. <laughs> so from there, then you, you draw Porto in the next round. And as much as Liverpool fans tried to paint this as a difficult tie, I think deep down they were all assuming it would be a fairly comfortable ride through. I think whenever someone gets Porto in the Champions League, they think they've done all right for themselves. I think it was just a, probably a guard against complacency for thinking, well, the year before we had pissed all over them, so you thought they do look a little bit better this year. They will be The score doesn't look good, but they did give a harder game than the score suggests. But Yeah, so 6-1 on aggregate to get through. <laughs> that second, they kind of got out of hand, didn't they? Where yeah. The, there was some VAR we, controversy, wasn't there? Well, once we got that goal, then you did see them visibly sort of like lose it a little bit. Yeah, that wasn't the only tie of that round to our VAR controversy. <laughs> we then got on to the Barcelona tie, semi-final, three goals down, and we've uh, just covered that then. Yeah. Liverpool pull out of the bag in what was an understated comeback, Alex has, <laughs> Alex has told us. So, Alex, then, if you want to clutch that mic there in front of you, Spurs, and we'll go through them. It's You, you probably wouldn't have suspected they'd have got this far after the start. So, you start no. off with a 2-1 loss to Inter at the San Siro. I think most expected Spurs to get a result with the way Inter have been. They've actually got back into the Champions League again next year. They, Milan threw away a two-goal lead to uh, surrender their place. So Inter are in for another year. From there then, you go 
ahead, I believe, against Barcelona, and then they really turn it on. Rakitic scores maybe the, one of the best goals of the tournament with an absolute like peach perfect technique. At this point, you must be thinking. Well, actually, the next game you draw two all away with PSV. I believe they scored late mm. to get it level, and you must be thinking. Yeah, no, I to be honest, I... actually, didn't Spurs level late in that one to get the point? Or am I? Uh, I think we leveled late. Um, yeah, I remember watching going into that PSV game. I was thinking, right, okay, we need if we're going to do anything, we need like get through. We need to win this match. And to be honest, after after they equalized, they equalized late, eighty seventh minute after yeah. uh, after Larice yeah, that was it, yeah. was sent off in the seventy ninth minute. Yeah, yeah. After that game, I kind of conceded, right, that's maybe it. We're going to be going out of the group stages. Um, and it was all about really then just trying to enjoy the remaining games, getting another shot to go away at Barcelona um, and seeing what we could do there. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best. So then you beat PSV 2-1 at home. Mm. You were able to start to dream a bit. I don't know about Inter that. Beat Inter 1-0. Then you can really start to think about it. Yeah. And then you're relying on Inter dropping points. So the way it went is you had to better their result. If they won, there was nothing you could do. If they drew, you had to win. If they lost, you had to draw. Somehow, they dropped points to PSV just to show that Spurs are going to have all the luck of this competition as we saw the way through. And It's scary when you think about that, isn't it? Scary. But yeah, fortunately, that draw at the new Camp, which I saw some celebrate like it was some massive feat against a Barca side that had already qualified top of the group but that, that's been the attitude all the way through it's like every like you know big every let's say scrappy just made it over the line result has been the biggest result in our history well, the, the way you said then about oh it almost looks like so I'm not sure I said it on here I put it in our group chat certainly maybe the wrong one so my uncle works in one of the co-ops in town and he said some some bloke he'd never seen before came in he was talking about football someone else and said uh you know Spurs are going to win it, don't you? Harry Kane scoring the winner in the final. Fucking <laughs> hell. When he was injured. Jesus. So, <laughs> the, the thing is, it's like, we, um, I, I, <laughs> when that, that group stage of the Champions League, obviously we were at a little bit of a cup run um, and I thought that maybe, right, if we're going to do anything this season, it's going to be in one of the, the domestic cups. Um, and then in quick succession, we got knocked out in the semis and we got knocked <laughs> out. Uh, we, then we got quickly not got knocked out of the FA Cup not too long afterwards. And I went on my right. That's it. We're we're, we're fucking done because we're gonna <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe scrape top four. We're not doing anything in the Champions League. Then you cheated to get a new stadium halfway through the year, and Didn't it all turned all. around. No, not at all. Not at all. Richard Didn't cheat has a lot to answer to. So no. you got Dortmund then mm. in the next round. Yeah. Um, I think when it all came out at first. I certainly picked Dortmund to go through. I, they were on a run. I, yeah, I they were, they were on, a, on a great run. They come to Spurs. We did uh, pod in there watching the game. Alex declared both goals in- incredible at the time. This could be interesting <laughs> if he's here on Saturday. But you get a result that's largely unexpected, particularly mm. with the way the game started. And then you yeah. go away, get that first goal, and it was kind of cruise control from there. Everyone was able to switch over to the other... Son was superb in that game. That was when his season really started to get on a roll. Um, like When you look, that that's probably the most convincing win we've had all season against Dortmund. Um, you know, it's been 
in the Champions League. Um, he, you know, that was when you, God, you know, if this actually was the year that we did it, then you'd look back at that that match as the one match where you thought, yeah, that's a Champions League winning side. But apart from that, you then draw City. Uh, I can't profess to many people picking you to go through. No, well, they shouldn't have gone through really. Um, they were the favourites. Plain and simple. Second leg, I don't know what got into them. <laughs> But one of the best games we've yeah. seen in in mm. recent memory. Spurs obviously had a great first leg. Keen be able to keep them out. Pep made the wrong decisions in his team selection, which I'm sure will keep him up at night. You'd hope. <laughs> but Spurs get through. You think the elation of the way to go through, and you have Ajax in the next round. And regardless of what you said, if we forget that happened, in hopefully. <laughs> You can't complain about having Ajax in a cup set in a Champions League semi final, can you? No. the 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 weird thing is, is like the way the way that it panned out. I kind of looked into it, and I I felt the need to sort of respect, maybe over respect Ajax going into it. I was consider- carried it on. I know, I know, but it's <laughs> it, it's kind of like you have to say on paper Tottenham have got the better side, but you're looking at an Ajax squad which look frightening. Um, you know, who have just dismantled a Cristiano Ronaldo Juventus side. Um, and are playing some pretty frightening football. You look at them as if to say, "Oh, you know, they're the they're the they're the the you know the underdogs in this they tie." They could have had four in that first twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, definitely, definitely. The the, you kind of looked at that squad and thought they're the underdog side. They they may be the the dark horses or the the quintessential young boys who were up and coming. Um, but you forget that I know it's a young squad. But Ajax have got a lot more pedigree in the Champions League than Tottenham have, um, and they'll have a lot more guys, a lot more in the way of support around them, which can hopefully give that squad the guidance that we need, um, the guidance that they needed. Um, so yeah, but de- so I, I kind of over-respected them to try to brace myself for what I thought was going to come. Um, but yeah, definitely going into the tie, we are the better team. Yeah, I, I, we, I we shouldn't shit on them because they they did have a really good run, and, and if you thought. Spurs' names on the trophy. I actually thought the same thing. Once mm. you've dumped out Madrid and Juve, and it did look a great team, but, but I did thought... We've got to remember as well, uh, to be fair, um, I say we were a better team going in. I would actually argue when it actually came to the date, we, in the first leg, we... We didn't have we didn't have Sun dug in when you we we Sun has been our focal point all season and we're missing our main man. We didn't have Kane. We were uh, arguably, uh, you know. Uh, the potentially weaker side on the night. And that definitely showed in the first leg. I mean, better team, but without that focal point, which gets you the win. So we've spoken about what then happened in the second leg. You think not enough maybe previously, but time now to give our predictions for the final. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I think if me and Jack give ours first, then we'll go to the Spurs and the Liverpool fan. I would hope they're only going a certain way. So Jack, if you want to give us your prediction for the final. I can only see Liverpool win. I can own. Oh, no. I don't, yeah, <laughs> that's all I can see. I mean, it all depends whether they get Harry Kane back, but then again, he's not going to be very fit. He hasn't played in ages, and he's going to be that liability that you don't. They should be playing Lorenzo. They should do, but it wouldn't happen. It's like saying it's Liverpool should play, like Liverpool should play Rigi. It's like saying that. Do you know what I mean? And I would too. If you're going on like merit on who got you there, how you got there. He's the reason why you're there. You should play him. You can't bank on Firmino's fitness or Kane's either. No, exactly. I mean, I just can't... Give us give us a score. I'm going... And first scorer. I'm going... 3-1 Liverpool. And I'm going... Mane, first scorer. 
All right, now, I am very conscious of jinxing things here, so I won't go too overboard. I do think Liverpool will win. I do, however, see the way things have gone for Spurs throughout the tournament and say that they may already have inscribed their name and they're just going to peel it off. Yeah. They've got a little bit over the bit of plaster on there ready to peel back. I think I'll trust Liverpool more than I'll trust Spurs. That's one thing, though it may help that Spurs haven't felt what it was like last year, that they can go in there. This This Spurs team looked like they can dig in when needed and you're going to need to do that against Liverpool and I think a Liverpool team can get frustrated as we've seen at times this season if you can dig in against them and catch them cold when they're seemingly going all out. I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool. Lucas Moura to score first. I think we're going to see a rogue set up from both. I think from my football manager experience which is very strong. I'm a man, I'll play my best team on paper. I won't go for form when I'm going into a big game because look, their resume tells me that they're the guys I can trust when it comes down to it. You're going to question how I think the time off is going to have helped Spurs more than it's going to have helped Liverpool. It's, you don't want to hear the ex-players saying that because it does look like excuses are being rolled out already. Carragher felt that when he tweeted out earlier this week and had the uh, victim stuff <laughs> always come around. So I I think Liverpool get it done. I think they're going to see some hairy moments. I think it's going to be a good final. I think you look at the Liverpool Spurs games we've had in recent times, uh, for a neutral at least, they've always been fun games to watch. I will, I'm not neutral going in though, so it probably won't be fun to watch. The funny thing is as well, is that the games this season, Spurs should have won. Like they should have won those games against Liverpool this season. So, and it's open, really apart from like Man City is the only other team to really make it look like. Apart from Chelsea, I mean, we should have won that game if it wasn't for a thirty-yard storage <laughs> screamer. But they're the ones that really look like they got this formula on how to get to them. So maybe I've been a bit brash in saying that it's a three-one. If they if Spurs win, we're blaming you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alex, give us your go prediction. Go go TK first. Um, yeah, a little bit like you touched on, I do have a nagging feeling about Spurs' run and just nearly going out of the group and the game against City, the game against Ajax. If anyone is going to think you're bleeding fate or your name's on the trophy, then I would think it will probably be in the minds of the Spurs players. Um, and I think if they can dig in and keep it tight as the game goes on, I think it becomes very interesting late. I think there might be panic setting in for Liverpool because you've had this seemingly great season but come second and you've lost the Champions League final the year before. Whereas we spoke about Spurs' lack of experience going to Champions League finals. You can kind of treat it almost like a free swing in terms of you don't have the scars from previous. But you're not really going to get a particularly um, analytical prediction from me because they're either going to go overly pessimistic because I don't want to jinx my own team or I'm going to say my own team are going to win because I want my own team to win so whatever prediction you get out of me really holds zero merit so I'll say it'll be a tight game one goal in it and Liverpool will win or I will cry myself to sleep alright Alex close us out then give us your prediction right. it's a really simple one for me everything everything on paper and, you know, with the stature, everything would indicate, like last season, the experience of it, everything on paper should suggest that Liverpool should win this, should win this Champions League final. 
everything. The uh, for me a standout thing is that they had the loss last year. They've got the experience, um, and you would hardly say that they bottled the Premier League's title race. Um, so it's not as if they've say potentially got a huge uh, continual rolling bottle here. Um, so everything on paper would indicate Liverpool will win the Champions League. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> bottled it. I'm not, bottled I'm not it. picking. I'm not picking anyone. I said it was chips. All right, we won't go too in depth on it, but we'll we'll get into the Europa League final next week because I'm sure either one of TK or Alex isn't going to want to talk about the Champions League too much. So we won't have a full episode <laughs> uh, built up of that. Yeah. Hopefully Alex doesn't bottle it and does uh, watch it with us. He should have to endure the same as uh, TK is going to have to endure and uh, Sean and whoever else. Well, maybe Sean won't endure it, I'm not sure. But thanks again for listening. You got something to say, Alex? Maybe if we perform some like voodoo stuff on Sean just to change something. I don't know. Like if you want to stick pins in him, be my guest. <laughs> <laughs> we did a walk All right, well... Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. It's a nice uh, long one here. I think we've got everything covered, hopefully so anyway. As always, if you could give us a like, share, repost, all that business on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes. Listen to the Out of Order podcast that have shown up on your feed. There's another one coming this Thursday. Check out additional content at www.spitballingpod.com and we'll be back. Thank you.